Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Whatever episode 39. Uh, this evening, we bring to you such wonderful tropes, uh, treats as uh, the <laughs> tropes. Start, start out on that note, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Something's well, on his brain. There's going to be tropes, too, I'm sure. But we're going to talk about X-Men Apocalypse tonight. Ooh. We have all kinds of comics. Um, I know Matt and I are particularly what? excited about DC's Rebirth. Yeah, indeed. And we are also all caught up on a bunch of other stuff I think we're going to talk about. Yeah, like we, we read way more saga. comics than we meant to this year. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Saga. We're going to talk about maybe, I don't know, did you read Spider-Man? I did not. Okay, how about Walking Dead? I did. All right, sweet. So we at least got two of the comics besides DC's Rebirth we're going to talk about. I, I, I read all of this, talk I read the rest the, uh, of the standoff stuff, too, so, yeah. which I don't think you finished all of. The Superman, the Super League. What is it The Super called? League, yeah. The yeah, Super, the Super, League. Super League. We're going to have to talk about that, too. So I read all that as well. Stick around. we got lots of cool shit coming at you tonight. And I feel like we would be remiss not to mention the the notable change of venue. We we talked about that last week. Fuck you. Because we changed venues <laughs> last week. God damn it. <laughs> we would be. So we did it last episode. <laughs> oh. This is the part where I don't listen to this shit. No. <laughs> I like where your head's at, though. Good thinking. Um, but yes, we, we come to you once again this in week. In case from anyone missed last week's episode. From my nerd lair. Live at the Tessin Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's open up with our, our uh, you know, staples. Uh, we had a Flash finale this week. Um, yeah. What do we think of the Flash finale? I really enjoyed it. I did, For, too. like, a hundred reasons, um, most of which will be changed by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, so let's start off by saying this is going to be a humongous, massive uh, spoilers if you haven't seen the episode yet, but this probably, who are we kidding, won't come out for a week after the um, episode airs at least. So, uh, Flashpoint. I mean, motherfuckers, that's that's basically it. Flashpoint right there. That's what you need to know about the finale. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like, su- Shall we back up? Super a lot of good stuff here. Um, number one, uh, I can't speak highly enough of the on-screen dynamic between Grant Gustin and Teddy Sears. Oh, man, they're amazing. Like, um, Tom Cavanaugh is, like, my favorite... Uh, supporting character on that show him and well i guess between him and cisco really i mean it's like there's there's so many good things about about the show but um we talk a lot about kavanaugh's acting quite a bit and grant gustin's acting quite a bit um but we we don't always mention that teddy sears as far as being um starting out as as who we thought was jay garrick toward the beginning of the season um and then find out obviously is is zoom by the end of the season does that transition so fucking remarkably well it's ridiculous yeah there's like about eight things i want to talk about just in that last three sentences that you said so first off let's go back a little bit to uh teddy sears as uh zoom so he starts off as jay garrick um which uh, allegedly allegedly uh amazing transition there and i really liked how they handled that whole thing because as we find out in this episode he was not jay garrick he was stealing jay garrick's name jay garrick Actually, um, and this was strongly hinted at, and I think we talked about it in an episode. Yeah, we 38. totally called it the last time we recorded. Yeah, we talked about this in episode thirty-eight. But as it turns out, it is uh, Barry's dad's doppelganger from Earth uh, three, three, or as uh, Jay says, you know what you would probably call Earth three. Um, so we get an older Jay Garrick, which is what we're used to from the comics. And I gotta say, like a bit of like pure poetry in the fact that um, um, John Wesley Shipp, who originally played the Flash in the nineteen nineties show, uh, 
totally is a fucking spot on Jay Garrick. And like, he got to be a speedster again. Like, I was super excited. Yeah, there's so much that's just great about that. But that, what, that, that actually, and we should go back, that was the, the, the reveal of that was that he was the man in the mask that has been uh, shown various times throughout the uh, the season. Um, also, uh, Eddie is sporting a gigantic boner right now because um, Bryce cracked uh, one of his bottles of uh, Russian River's Consecration, uh, which is a sour that's aged in uh, Chardonnay barrels? Sauvignon. 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 Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yes. With, uh, with currents. Currents Cap- added. No, Capsov. Capsov. Mm-hmm. Capsov action. Yeah, between four and eight months yeah. is the, the aging time. Uh, and this bottle we have is, is a relatively fresh one. We haven't been cellaring it or anything like that. But yeah. uh, Although we do have one that is cellaring, and um, we'll crack it. I'll in, probably leave that one for a while. In yeah. six, six to eight months, we'll say. Yeah, we'll leave that one for a while in the, bo- <laughs> in the bottle. Uh, uh, although, yeah. like, I don't Sorry, know. Set a reminder. It, it, it's hard to improve this over what it already is, though. Oh, you know, it, it's essentially one of my favorite delicious. beers ever. Yeah. Like, uh, I love the sour notes that are coming through, and um, it... it you can actually really taste like I don't. I know you guys aren't wine guys, or at least I know Matt's not a wine guy. Oh, um, but I'm you can bad. really taste the caps off in, the, in there. The tannins. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, the tannins. <laughs> Fucking tannins. Uh, but you can really taste that little tinge of flavor that it gives to the the, the sour notes. It's so good. It, like, it actually, this, this beer is so good. Like it, I'm gonna need a minute. Here's alone. the deal. Like, I'm not a wine snob or anything, but you you actually can taste it. Um, and it and it, and it marries really well with the current. Oh, right. dude, it's it's amazing. That's literally one of the best beers I've ever had, and I, I I feel blessed, and you know by by the Lord Jesus above, who I totally believe in, <laughs> that I that I, I live in a place where I can get this this beer on a relatively um, regular basis. Yeah, uh, well, here's the deal: um, two of us at this table are actually uh, ordained. Ordained. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I can mean, you, can you like I mean, marry me judges? to myself or something? Yeah, yeah. we we are actually okay with You're your. Okay with uh, it? All right. Uh, yeah, okay. we're, good. we're good with we're it. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as men of the church, you know, as, yeah, you're as, good to go. As a man of the cloth, I, the I cloth. accept that your price. My, that was my preferred yeah. <laughs> terminology as well. Um, here's the cool thing about a sour, guys. If you're macho and you don't um, want to drink wine because you're like, I don't drink wine. I'm a beer man. This is technically a, an ale. Yeah. Um, mm. And you can drink it because it's an ale, but it's it, it does have a lot of the various qualities that one might expect from a super good bottle of wine as well. It, it's it, very it, wine-like, yeah. It really does kind of marry the flavors together, like, in a beautiful way. Uh, not cheap, but, I mean, uh, you know, 12-ounce bottle is going to run you between 12 and 14 bucks, generally. Uh, it's worth it to buy it once. Oh, dude, at least. for sure. At, yeah, at least. You know what I mean? Like if, at if, least. Give it a shot. If it's not the best thing you've ever tasted shoot yourself in the face i'm not gonna give you your money back or anything um but you know you're only out 12 or 14 bucks Mm. yeah for sure (laughs) and you've learned that you have no taste in beer or wine so yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, essentially um so back to the flash yeah so as we were saying uh jay garrick is revealed to be the man in the iron mask uh uh not dicaprio shockingly uh jay garrick is (laughs) which i was really waiting for that reveal the whole time (laughs) but i mean i was like how are they you can't win an oscar on tv so yeah um or not win an Oscar on TV. <laughs> Thought they were going to take the mask off and a bear was just going to come out and ravage him. Just right yeah. there. Yeah. Bear fucker. <laughs> we're mixing so many things here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. you just took all of the pop culture knowledge in the three of our brains and just straight it into Leo's one not even in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Jake Eric is the man in the mask, and uh, the reveal here is great. Um, and they, they set this up a little bit in the previous episode where I think... Um, 
uh, guys, what's his Henry Allen? Henry Allen was saying, uh, oh, my mother's maiden name was Garrick or yeah. something like that. So we got a little hint at what uh, might be. And they, they really came through in this episode. And I was really, really satisfied by that whole reveal. Um, even t- even more interesting, too, speaking of, of the Jay Garrick reveal and whatnot, is Barry's decision to not um, reveal his relationship uh, to Jay Garrick uh, or, Which- or the, the, the Earth One equivalent of... And, the thing the this is what blows me away about it like he made the decision not to not to have that reveal and considering what happens at the end of the episode at the very end of the episode that's even more interesting to me that he chose not to reveal that didn't uh so when you were watching x-men did you feel a similar parallel with a couple of characters we're gonna get to back in a few minutes yeah yeah okay so um that whole thing was great uh another thing i want to bring up is the whole time remnant thing um so time remnants, as I loosely understand them, is when a speedster runs back in time and thus collides with its own um, time stream, essentially. Uh, so there's two, you know, speedsters, uh, two of the same existing speed, at the same time, existing at the same time. And so uh, Zoom Zoom says to Barry at the beginning of the episode, like, yeah, you can totally do it. You just have to be willing to kill yourself, uh, because you know that's how how it's revealed. Basically, uh, Barry catches up, has one of the g- most glorious speedster battles uh, uh, we've seen in the Flash so so far, if not the most glorious speedster battle we've seen in the Flash so far. Uh, and then you know Jay or not Jay, I should say Zoom uh, catches himself, gives him the old uh, shaky heart hand thingy, kills his time remnant, and then is basically like, "I got you," because I could kill myself. Um, well, that's fucked up. It is pretty fucked up. It is fucked up. It's the and second it's, time he's done it this season. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's so great because uh, it pays off really well in the end of the episode. That that line where he says, um, you know, no, you can totally do this. You just have to be able to, you have to be willing to kill yourself. Pays off in exactly the right way by the end of the episode, I thought so. Yeah. Um, this episode is kind of cool because it is extremely comic booky in several different ways. One of which, though, is one of my favorite uh we'll call it a trope because that's kind of what it is. Um, it's the ultimate like race. Like, it, oh, like yeah. it's not like I'm going to fight you to the death. Um, even though ultimately, like if zoom had won, that's kind of what it would have been, but um, not necessarily for our, our core group because they were on the earth that would have still been standing. But, yeah. but like, this was just like flat out. Like he's just like, I'm going to race you. And if you beat me, I'm done. And if I beat you, then I'm going to destroy everything in the multiverse, except for this one earth. And, hmm. um, it, it, I mean, it parallels like every fucking like Superman versus the Flash race or whatever like that we've seen throughout the years in, in comic books. It's just it's it it was fun. Like it was a fun concept. Oh man, you're you're so nailing exactly what I love about the Flash TV show. Like it is a comic book show that's not afraid of being a comic book show. Um, they they grab so there. That's just like one element of the show that um they did an amazing job of representing the comics in. There's like two or three more that I definitely know we're going to talk about before the end of this uh, uh, little spiel here. So we'll get back to him in a second. But yeah, I really, really love that whole aspect. It's all set up based on a race between the speedsters, which um, is such a comic book trope um, or, you know, such a comic book thing to do. Hey, hey, hey. We, we finally used the, tr- the word trope in an appropriate context in this I'm, episode. I'm pretty sure he did that just to save my dumbass yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. earlier one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, you know, it's what I do. Yeah. Um... So we get the whole race thing. Uh, they strongly hint again in this episode towards Wally being a speedster, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, so much Jesse, which is odd considering the direction they took in the last two episodes before this. Yeah. Uh, 
obviously we know that's going to come back around at some point. I'm just wondering how they're going to do it exactly. Um, again, given how this episode ended, there's so many different things that could happen at this point. Yeah. And quite honestly, at this point too, I have enough trust in this show that I'm sure they're going to do fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's get to the race part. Um, so actually before we get to the race part, uh, we should mention that at the beginning of the thing, basically the whole rest of the, the flash team, uh, which is, you know, everybody that's not Barry or Wally decides they should lock Barry up. Because Barry's like, yeah, I'm totally going to race Zoom because I want to race him and beat him and kill him. And they're all like, no, you can't do that. So your, they, your head's your head's in a different place right now. Yeah. So they lock him in the pipeline. Um, and Barry's like, what? This is shitty. Is this what we've been doing to people this whole time? And it should be noted that Wally um, wasn't necessarily opposed to the decision. It's just no one fucking asked him. Yeah. He wasn't there. Like, <laughs> Everybody but Wally, raise your hand. And Wally's like over there, you know, at Jitters or something, drinking a coffee. Yeah. Um. So that was... I, I wasn't in love with that whole idea of, or that part of the plot. I thought that was a little bit like, meh, meh. I whatever. actually dug it because it was the first time that the team cohesively acted, I mean, together, but not in our main characters. What I dug about that is that the team basically decides that they're going to take down Zoom. And they actually have a pretty solid they, plan that they goes have a solid plan. reasonably well. Uh, the, the, there was a couple of funny moments in there, like when uh, Harry decides to just dive, like you know, a uh, last action hero style, uh, for no goddamn reason. <laughs> that was the best. Uh, we 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 get this uh, quick battle between you know basically the normies and Zoom, and they actually fare pretty well, right as up well in, as could be expected. Yeah, right up until the part where Zoom grabs uh, uh, Joe. Uh, Joe and sucks him right into the Earth, Earth two, two dimension yep. thingy. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, um, I dug this too because this was this is actually where Wally comes in uh, because he's in Earth he's Two. Like, what the fuck? Dude? And they've they've made a pact already that no matter what happens, like they seal the breaches so that nobody can get through. Which this is my only bitch about the last several episodes and whatnot is number one, they only in the beginning of this episode was just like yeah, and he can open breaches. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, talking about Zoom, but. Yeah. It kind of defeats the purpose of no matter what happens, close the breaches. Because if Zoom can open them, he can fucking open them. See, that's a little thing that I wasn't really sure about either. Um, It's pretty clear, I think, at this point that Zoom can open the breaches. And they've kind of gone... This has been a little bit of a plot point throughout the whole season. Like, they open the breaches in the beginning and then they close them and blah, blah, blah. Um, But, yeah, it seems like, you know, why all of a sudden can he not do that anymore? Because he's been shown to do that already, so... And they even mention it in this episode. They're like, he can open breaches, so what's to stop him from, you know, whatever. And then, like, all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, let's close the, the breaches. And I'm just like... Um, I, I think we're probably missing some Speed Force plot somewhere in there. Maybe. Because the, the, I'm, I think they probably gave us something that would indicate why that's not a thing. But I don't remember what it is. Well, and again, in true comic book fashion, sometimes they just write that shit in. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, might, I mean? they might have Zack Snyder'd it, apparently, you know. That's... <laughs> Yeah, when we talk, we are only briefly going to talk about the Arrow finale, but there's a lot more of that bullshit in that show. So anyway, um, of course the Flash has to. Uh, Wally gets pissed off because he's like, "You nobody asked me what the fuck, guys." Yeah. Uh, so Wally goes and lets Barry out of the pipeline, and of course uh, Barry and Wally decide like we're going to go get Joe back, and you fuckers can come along or not, whatever. Well, and here's the deal: like this this part was written really well too, uh, because. 
Wally does have a vested interest in this too. Like Joe is his dad that he hasn't had for his entire life. He's already lost his mom and now he's potentially facing losing his dad and nobody fucking asked him anything about how the shit should oh, go yeah. down. Super you know dick I mean? move on the part of the flash team there. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't hate this, this part again. It was another one of those things where it was like involving yet another character, but that character actually had a legit reason for being involved in the storyline and whatnot. Zach I Snyder. like this part too, because we had another element of, um, like the whole West family is super down with finding out you're a superhero. Like, uh, Wally's like, yeah, so I, I didn't know you were the flash, but that's really cool. And, uh, uh, yeah, thanks. Cause you know, you're, you're obviously an awesome guy, so, which is kind of cool because it's a nice, uh, um, end to, you know, some previous, uh, tension between those two characters, Wally and Barry, where, you know, Wally feels like he's competing for Joe's love or whatever, you know, and Iris too, to her credit, like, there was definitely a dynamic between her and Barry that, that was developing by the end of the season where she was totally cool with um, them being together at some point, or at least trying it out and whatnot. But, like, as as cool as she was when she found out that Barry was the Flash, like, uh, she didn't immediately start getting him giving him handjobs. Like, she... I mean, I would have. Right. Uh, you know. So, uh obviously Barry goes back saves uh rescues um Joe and the man in the mask which we now know as Jay Garrick uh as in, How does he rescue him? By accepting the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. it. And then of course we get to the challenge part. So the challenge part is pretty awesome because we get a lot of culmination here in this last little bit of the show um so number one they race uh barry actually fares pretty well which i think this is largely in part due to the fact that he's now been through the speed force and he's got the whole you know that shit figured out and zoom's also slower because he just got hit by two bits of uh slowdown juice yeah and this is this is one of my favorite things though um this is this is barry allen's version of the kobayashi maru though because um even though i love zoom's been hit with with some slowdown juice, um, I, number one, I don't even know how fast he metabolizes that. That might not even have been in effect. A factor at this point, yeah. Um, he's still notably faster than Barry. Like he's he's winning this race just in terms of he's ahead of him most of the time until Barry changes the rules up a little bit in the middle of the race. Which again, Fucking Kirk, super good callback to the beginning of the episode, which I mentioned that I was going to talk about again. The way that Barry does that is he creates his own time remnant. Exactly, one remnant continues to race the other one goes and does everything else that needs to be done so that zoom's plan can't actually happen yeah um the other super the only thing that was a little bit of a letdown during this whole race thing is like we now have jay garrick like they sent him back a little like why did why didn't jay get involved in that but whatever um they hadn't taken the mask off him yet they didn't do that until after wasn't really at the very end yeah it was after the race all right all right they didn't have jay garrick yet fine um so what I really loved about the whole Barry Allen time time remnant thing is we go back to the beginning of the episode and you're thinking, oh God, Barry's going to have to kill himself. That's like morbid as shit. And he totally does kill himself. But the way he does it is his remnant kills himself. Like as in he didn't do the whole heart and hand thing. Barry just kept running until he disintegrated himself in order to stop the whole uh, multiverse ending. Whatever that uh, device was called that thing. I don't remember right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looked so it like a big Dyson fan that they ran around. Anything. Yeah. It was. It was kind of like a magnetic tuning fork that was attuned to the different vibrational frequencies of the different Earths, parallel uh-huh. Earths and whatnot. 
So uh, Barry totally kills himself by, you know, self disintegrating. And, uh, you know, a great callback to the beginning of the line. He was willing to kill himself, just not in the way that Zoom was willing to kill himself. Zoom was willing to kill another version of himself. Like uh-huh. Barry's time remnant was totally OK with sacrificing himself for the greater good and whatnot. And that was yeah. that was the, the key difference there. So that part was awesome. Another awesome part of this whole thing is now that it's pretty clear that uh, Barry's coming out on top, he's got this time remnant thing. We get some time wraiths coming after him because Barry's just fucked with the whole time stream thing. And uh, they actually go after Zoom. Uh, and so Barry says that after the, the fight's over, you know, like I figured they were more pissed at him than me because he's been doing a lot more, you know, uh, time shenanigans. So uh, uh, that thing was awesome but what what was really awesome is we got another humongous major comic book nod here uh in that i'm pretty sure they drag zoom away to be the black flash it certainly looks like that's possibly what's happening i mean they they gave him the nice you know black costume red accents like they gave him that whole um withered you know half dead look like i could i think we could see a return like i don't i don't think it's going to be next season's villain but i definitely think we're going to see a black flash return in the uh show continuity well what's beautiful about the way they did it is they definitely opened the door and it's up to them whether they ever walk through it or not like if they do choose to walk through it like there it is like that you've established it right there um and you can you can use it or at this point like you can put it in your back pocket and keep it until you you need something else later on yeah that's 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 what the show does really well like there's so many different things um that happen um but i guess we should kind of get to the meat and potatoes of it and uh which i mean we've we've hinted at it we've even actually outright said I, it. I just yeah said it a couple times but um iris has a a, a neat little conversation with barry um he's still reeling over the fact that his fucking dad died uh, at the end of the the last episode. Um, and then finding out that the man in the mask was the real Jay Garrick, who was the uh, Henry, Allen Henry, doppelganger. Henry Allen doppelganger. Like it, it's kind of fucking with his head a little bit. And so uh, Barry decides to go ahead and do what he told himself he wasn't going to do at the end of last season, which is he goes back and saves his mom. Yeah. Uh, so presumably um for you non-comic book nerds this is how we got the new 52 um many of you have probably heard but uh in 2011 uh dc decided to reboot the uh comic continuity and start the new 52 and the way that they did that was through the flashpoint paradox so what that is is actually it was just called Flashpoint. The Flashpoint yeah, Paradox was the animated, the animated movie sorry. that they did based so loosely on the they, they did it through Flashpoint. And so what Flashpoint was loosely was Barry runs back in time, saves his mom. And, you know, like butterfly effect action happens and it totally screws up the whole timeline. And we get all kinds of weird shit that happens. Like in that continuity, Batman is actually Thomas Wayne uh, because it's Dude, a Bruce that dies. That's one of my favorites. Like... Uh, it's one of the things that makes me really happy about, which we're going to get back to with rebirth that they yeah. didn't throw, like they've gone with a way that doesn't throw away the new 52 because uh flashpoint and all that shit is like probably some of the best stuff in comics. The, the coolest thing about flashpoint uh, is the Batman dynamic. Um, and and I'll, I'll get into this just, just briefly right now. Cause we're going to talk more about the comic book piece later, but um, Barry saves his mom and then things are really fucked up when he goes back to the present day continuity. Like things aren't the way he thought they would be when he gets back. Yeah. So I- the first person he seeks out is Batman. 
it, it's even more than that. Like Barry gets back, and he—I don't think he entirely recalls. People don't even know who he is. Yeah, if a Barry is just a normal forensic scientist. B, he has no powers. Right. Uh, C, he basically is like, well, I gotta go find Bruce. Yeah. And he goes to the cave and finds Thomas. Yeah, Thomas Wayne and, with and, guns. And what and, happened is. Um, in, instead of the gunman shooting uh, Thomas and Martha in the alley, they only shot Bruce, and it drove Thomas into being a much more brutal and violent Batman than we've ever seen. Even um, more brutal than Snyder's Batman. And it drove Martha insane to the point where she became the Joker. Yeah. So anyway, that was so, that was really fun stuff. It's a it's a super good story, and Flashpoint is relatively self-contained. Like you can read Flashpoint without a whole lot of uh, outside knowledge. There are a shit ton of tie-ins if you choose to read them, but the yeah. actual story I think is contained in like a seven-issue arc of called called Flashpoint. Yeah. So, so it, if you want to go read that, read that. Especially if you're a big fan of the Flash TV show, because uh, it really looks like we're getting the CW version of the Flashpoint. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad I described a little bit about that because that that brings me to my next talking point after the finale. Where do we go from here? Do we do we see the um the dystopian present that it, that it, that we saw in Flashpoint comics? Like, how is it going to affect that? Um, and is it going to be a situation where we see that for a couple episodes and then Barry darts back to stop himself from saving his mom, and then we get into a different version of of reality as we know it or is that what this season is going to hold see so what i'm really really hoping is that the writers um of the flash uh and the whole cw universe were looking at this as a method for getting supergirl into the cw and god help us please for retconning the shit out of arrow uh because there's a lot of cool shit like first off the green arrow started off as a batman knockoff in this respect um, they could totally do the Arrow story as sort of a knockoff of the Batman uh, um, story in Flashpoint. Um, Here's my biggest fear, dude. My biggest fear with, with what they're going to do is they are going to do the um, dystopian present day thing with the Flash for a few episodes. And Arrow is going to continue on like normal, like nothing ever happened, because it's that's that's what I fear. And so, I- fingers crossed. But here's what I'm hoping happens: um, this whole thing serves as a way to get the Supergirl uh, TV show into the CW verse, so we can have you know season crossovers and stuff like that, which makes sense. And um, I think we're what I would really like to see happen is that this is a um, four. We get four episodes between Legends Arrow. Supergirl and The Flash, we essentially get four era episodes, maybe five or six. I mean, maybe The Flash goes two episodes, uh, um, or The Arrow goes two episodes. And I'm saying Arrow because I really, really want them to use this as an opportunity to fix all the shit they did with the last season that just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Dude, do you know how fucking amazing it could be if they chose to use all four shows? to start the new season like so for a week you have one story that continues through four nights of the week i think it would be a humongously missed boat if they did not do that because we really have um the closest analog to the justice league is that we've ever had on tv right now i mean it might be expensive but i think you spend that money because 
oh, your ratings are going to be through the roof for a, all four nights that that happens. It's an investment. They're going to get a huge carryover from the Supergirl uh, fans from the C- CBS. And Supergirl on CBS was, wasn't performing phenomenally, but for a CW show? For a network the size of CBS, no. But yeah. For for a CW show, though, it, it was beating the Flash ratings. I mean, so sometimes. Th- and, and not, not to mention time, that, that doing something like that would be a very, very comic book style thing to do you know it's a it's a cross multi-issue tie-ins over, you know yeah. and you know it's it's nightfall for batman if it for instance or you know the the superman where he dies whatever the hell they called that the death of superman death of superman yeah, yeah. Right. and even it even the the eight issue um super league storyline that eddie and i read this week that we'll talk about later is mm-hmm. very similar um and for the benefit of anybody who may not have listened to the last episode or or bryce uh, who obviously didn't listen to the last episode. Um, Supergirl got picked up for season two um, with the caveat that instead of being on CBS like it was this past year, it's moving to the CW. So it's, there's going to be some budget cuts and they're moving filming from LA to Vancouver to film with the rest of the Berlanti Okay, CW nice, shows. Nice. Yeah. So, so one of the things we've been talking about over sense. the last couple of episodes is, you know, how would they get uh, – Supergirl onto the CW because presumably they want to bring it into like when it was a CBS show it was a you know parallel earth another earth in the multiverse and presumably they're going to want to bring it in in a way that allows it to have you know regular crossovers without some sort of silly you know multiverse shenanigans so that the, each of the worlds impact each other um, or each of the heroes can potentially impact each other and so Flashpoint's in a, a phenomenal like as good of a way to do it as anything you know I would have thought of so you know, you know what's funny um, and, and I hadn't thought about it until right now, but uh, the CW actually had the opportunity to pick up Supergirl yeah. when it first got pitched. When Berlanti first pitched it, the CW passed on it because they didn't want to become known as the, quote, superhero network. Yeah, we talked about that on the show. And uh, and now that season one is, is done of Supergirl, CVS opted out and the CW is like, yeah, sure, we'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> which, uh, you know, Why CW, not? what else are you going to be like? There, there is some other good stuff on the CW, but uh, like, why, why, why fight that? Do you like, know what? Honestly, the only thing they need to do is pick up Constantine now, and then they could have a show every night of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we get to the end of the Flash. Uh, I the we get Flashpoint, and as we were talking about before, one of the things that I'm interested to see is how they'll handle Flashpoint on the other shows. Um, so there's a lot of things that they could do with the Flash that I think are a little bit more ob- uh, uh, obvious. But on Arrow, for example, I think we've really got an opportunity to see um, what's uh, Oliver's dad's name, whose name I can't remember. No, I don't remember. But anyway, Oliver's dad, Mr. Could, Queen. Yeah, Billy. Mr. Queen. Billy. Billy Queen. <laughs> Billy could take Steve up the role. McQueen. Steve Mick. We're getting his name warmer. is Steve Mick. Um, but I think it was Robert, wasn't it? Oh yeah, you're right. It's Robert. It's Robert Queen. So it, Robert Queen. In all seriousness, yeah. It, the the potential is that uh, Robert ends up being the one who spends the time on the island and comes back and bees the Green Arrow, uh, which would be amazing. Like, do that, please. And then when they reboot, like they could undo all of the bullshit that they've done for the last two seasons. Uh, you get, we got to have Laurel back. Like, and here's the thing. See, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, you have to undo that. Like, you like who? I don't care what side of this debate you fall on, Mark Guggenheim. You fucked up. Like you do not kill the Black Canary in the well, Arrow show with such here's, little. Here's uh, where actual I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on this. So I follow um, Katie Cassidy on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. Uh, yep. There was not like there wasn't like a a ton of like 
um, wistfulness or anything like that about her leaving the show for the last couple episodes. And honestly, she didn't because they like through flashbacks and whatnot, like she was still represented. Yeah. And we got to see her in Arrow the last episode or something like that. So, um, and so I'm kind of wondering if maybe this wasn't the plan all along and like killing her was definitely devastating for this season. Um, like the plan could have been to bring her back utilizing the flashpoint all along. So like, I sincerely hope that's the case, but uh, at this point, I'm reticent to give the the Arrow writers any sort of credit whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I I just, like, I can't completely, as much as I haven't even watched the last three episodes of the season yet. It does not get any better. um, Yeah, which is why I haven't. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I'm still willing to, like, once I finally do watch those three episodes, which will probably be in the next week or so or whatever, um, I'll watch it again at the beginning of the season next year. You know what I mean? Just just to kind of see where we're at and how everything ties together with, with the Flashpoint stuff. Am I happy with where the show's at? Fuck no, I'm not. Um, but I'm I'm not quite at that point where I'm going to throw in the towel. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, essentially. Like, at this point, this is where a rational person, or actually a few episodes back, probably when fucking Felicity walked out of the wheelchair, that's when I uh, uh, rational people were like, nope, I give up. Dude, and I almost was then. Like, that was that was almost my swan song Yeah, uh, for, for that show, but... But if we're being honest, I, I'm at least going to see what happens through the Flashpoint. And then, if we're being honest still, uh, I'll probably keep hate-watching the show until and, it ends. And here's the thing, man. I'm still, at my age... Like I'm still at that point where I like I look at this stuff and I'm like, how cool is this? Oh yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like we have four shows now starting next season on one network that are all comic book properties. Then we have ABC that's got Agents of Shield, which I'm not even remotely caught up on right now, but I've heard it's really which good. Is so good, yeah, you right. should. Um so I and I and I and I do intend on catching up with that. Fucking Doctor Strange is gonna be a movie this year. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where, like, I'm watching Arrow still because nine and ten year old me is just on board. Just, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, I didn't even know what my dick was for back then, but like, <laughs> this is one of those things where I'd be like, just whacking it totally. But it was hard. It was <laughs> you know? hard no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah. I can't understand. Is it swelling? Uh, yeah. What is? What is Why going do my on pants here? hurt? All right. So. We're not really going to talk about the Arrow season finale because uh, obviously Matt hasn't watched it, and quite honestly, it's not really worth talking about. From what I understand, it's not. It's it's really not. It, it, if we were going to talk about it, it would just be the next ten minutes of me bitching and here's into here's the my prediction, and Eddie can tell me right now if I'm right or not. Damian Dark, which had the potential of being one of the coolest villains that we've seen uh, in comic book, TV show or movies or whatever, like Damian Dark had the the potential to be like this amazing villain that could have been great and i'm assuming they beat him in a really formulaic fashion and it just doesn't goes out now. like a bitch yep yeah yep uh the, the, too much dumb shit to talk about in the arrow finale just if you're so inclined watch it yourself i'm sorry for Don't. your brain cells now all right uh let's we got a couple different marvel things to talk about let's start with your miles miles morales news that you threw in uh, so Miles Morales is coming to the screen, the big screen, and uh, however, uh, the small caveat that he's doing it in an animated movie, but I'm still super excited to see Miles Morales moving outside of the comic book pages. As am I, because um, I have not read this week's issue of Spider-Man, um, which, for the benefit of those who may not have listened in for Bryce, um, the there's, there's a couple different Spider-Man titles. The Amazing Spider-Man, obviously, um, which... 
involves Peter Parker. Um, and then there's the just Spider-Man comic mm-hmm. book, which is actually about the Miles Morales Spider-Man, which he was Ultimate Spider-Man, but now that the 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 universes have merged, they they exist simultaneously. And it's pretty rad. Uh, I read Spider-Man four, and we're not going to talk about it right now. But Miles is a cool character. Still enjoying the book, so. You know what? I, did we ever talk about Spider-Man three even? Which was the episode with him and Kamala, which weren't even like they they weren't even really like superheroing through most of it. It was no. mostly him being grounded and getting his phone taken away. Yeah, but it was still a brilliant fucking issue. <laughs> I, I actually really enjoyed the issue too. Which I mean, it's been out for a while, and Bryce is probably bored out of his skull, so we won't talk about much right yeah. now. But uh, yeah, just keep reading Spider Man. It's pretty just good. Just drunk and over here. Don't worry about me. Enjoying enjoying Miles Morales as Spider Man. You're more fun to podcast with that way anyway. Yeah, you'll get all rapey pretty soon. You're about you're about there. I can tell. Yeah, um, you can see that look in my eyes. Yeah, the other the other uh, piece is um, that I want to talk about before we get to to the X Men. Uh, Jessica Jones. I've actually been watching it recently. In fact, the wife and I have been watching it together. Good because Jessica Jones is like a comic book movie or show that you can fuck to. Really, I mean, <laughs> I mean they do. So why don't we? Yeah. No, um, dude, it's brilliant, isn't it? Um, I told you. And and so here's the thing I'm I'm a fan of Kristen Ritter because of some other things that she's been in, um, not I the sitcom. But I didn't have a tiny clue who she was before the show, but whatever. Uh, it's because you're not through Breaking Bad enough yet. But she's uh, she sorry. shows up in Breaking Bad. Really? Which one's she in Breaking Bad? Um, she's the heroin addict that uh, Jesse gets together with. Oh, you mean the one that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't don't spoil it for yeah. for those of us who haven't watched the show. Dare. It's been out for ten years. Wouldn't dare. Uh, <laughs> Great show. You should watch it. Yeah, um, I know. They're, I know. they're getting Check there. It out. Check it Him out. and Ash watch it together, so they've seen like two episodes in the last year and a half. So, <laughs> yeah, classic. Twenty sixteen, um, we or yeah, by by twenty eighteen, we had to make it to you know the end of season, season one. Season maybe. one. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when I when the when that actually first got announced that she was going to be that I was that Jessica Jones I was like that's cool I'll watch that because I like her, um, and and she's great in it don't get me wrong but like the dude that they got playing Luke Cage is way awesome, and then uh, the Purple Man who they don't actually refer to as the Purple Man because in this particular show he's not purple at all. They do very briefly I think mention yeah, that he's uh, the Purple Man Kilgrave yeah, David Tennant. Yeah, fucking phenomenal. Oh shit, I should watch that actually. You need are you, to. Are yeah. you a Doctor Who fan at all? I I like David Tennant. I've only seen a few episodes of him as the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked them. He's my favorite Doctor. Like yeah. that's. I mean, there's no question about it. And it's the Tennant and Rose Definitely. relationship that makes me really love him as the Doctor. Um, dude. Not the doctor in this show at all, but brilliantly acted. Oh, like just that's, that's actually one of the things that I love about him. Uh, T- Tennant is such a good fucking villain. Yeah, like whether he's playing Barty Crouch Jr. or you know, and this is not Kilgrave. that character either. Like that's no. that's the thing is like you can definitely differentiate between those three roles, even though like definitely two of them are villainous, um, and the other one is obviously not. He's the hero of of, of Doctor Who as the Doctor and whatnot, but. Uh, different different villains between those two yeah i'm um, on record as, as saying this already and i th- it, i don't know if i've said it in the show before but uh kilgrave um david Tennant's portrayal of kilgrave in this in this uh show is perhaps my favorite uh marvel cinematic universe villain ever like wow. he's definitely better than loki in my opinion he's definitely better than ultron in my well opinion. Like, that's the thing though is that he like his power um for anybody who doesn't know 
he has influence. Like he can influence people to do whatever he wants them to with he a simple says suggestion. It, you do it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Um. Like one particular dude that had just gotten beaten very badly um, at poker by a tenant had the misfortune of trying to stop him from leaving with the money. And he said, uh, let's see how long it takes you to put your head through that post over there. And yeah. he just did like, just walked over and sort of bashing his head into the post. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how his character works. Probably and, took a while. I bet it took a while. You know, it's, and, it, and it's really funny because, um, there's one particular sequence where he chooses not to use his abilities and that's when he's buying uh, Jessica's childhood home. And it was hilarious watching him actually, like, try and get somebody to, to do something that he wanted without actually making them do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I love him as a character. Yeah. It, watch it, dude. Like, it, yeah. it's on Netflix. Like, you've got no reason not yeah, to. Yeah, no, I, I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Plus, or, there's sex in it. Yeah. I mean, if, I like that. That's yeah. why I watch Game of Thrones. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Boobies and dragons. Yeah. And warty dicks, apparently. That's like, well, okay, okay. That was one episode. Come on. All right. All right. What else we got in the Marvel Universe? This um, week? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. No. <laughs> oh, that's it? Um, Show's actually, over. we... I put two things in. We, I guess we don't have to talk about this one this week, but it's kind of fun. Um, I pulled up a list of the X-Men franchise movies uh rotten tomato scores just to kind of see where they all stood and okay well let's talk about apocalypse and then we'll come back to that a little bit yeah um so all of us within the last three days uh have have seen i can see bryce is over there chomping at the bit i have seen uh wait i've seen something what What? x-men apocalypse (laughs) Bryce is like i can talk about this one i know in fact fact, the crazy part is is bryce who um you know hosts a podcast (laughs) part-time saw this movie before anybody else did here yep I was so so. I feel like we kind of have, you know, a separate X Men trilogy now, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, we for sure do. And we have yeah. one. We have one that doesn't matter, right. and then we have one that matters, and, and one that does. So so I, I guess with, just with to a start really out, with a really shitty shitty attempt at a Wolverine movie in the middle there. I was just and, and, say, and then and then a Wolverine movie that was good was as easy. well. Yeah, yeah, so. it was really good. We we had a movie. We we essentially have a trilogy that basically sets up Wolverine, and that's it. You know what's yeah, here's what's gonna be funny about this. Um we have X Men one, two, and three. We have X Men First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. We have Wolverine X Men Origins, we have the Wolverine, and then we're gonna have Wolverine three. Mm-hmm. So essentially it's gonna be three almost separate trilogies, but all connected in some way, which is kind of genius in a way if so many of those movies didn't actually blow ass. Yeah. And when I say so many, I mean really there's like two or three of them that were not good. Right now, now this one I, I feel like as far as the two, the, there's really two that weren't the that first good. class days of future past apocalypse trilogy. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I, I still think probably days of future past is probably my favorite of of the three. Uh, but this one is definitely well up there. It here's, doesn't have that drop off that you usually see on a on a third movie movie on a trilogy. Here's the thing: if I can perfect my fastbender impression. Mm-hmm. I can get laid every night of the week because my wife really digs this Magneto. Like, dude, dude, you know, okay. So let me just give a shout out real quick to whoever cast Magneto in all of the movies, because like, for like, it's, it's obviously a role that you really have to cast very well. Surian was definitely younger Mm -hmm. uh, when they did the original X-Men because that was 2000. So this is 16 years ago. Right. 
Younger than now, of course. Younger than now. Yeah. Um, and Not younger than Fastbender. <laughs> and, I mean, there was an argument to be made that at that point in time that he was maybe a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, but See, I thought he did really well. And he, he I, the one thing about him that I, that I don't want to say it surprised me because he's a brilliant actor anyway. But one thing that I was pleasantly surprised by was how Ian McKellen portrayed that character. Like, it was very obvious to me that he researched the character and knew what he was doing when he did it. Sure. So I enjoyed that piece of it. Um, even like even if you take X Men three and look at it, like his performance as Magneto was still good. Yeah. Even if that movie sucked a big donkey dick. <laughs> aside from that, in indeed it did. Uh, and, and Fassbender has has really just picked up the reins from there. And, See, and you know, I, I want to give a little credit to the casting in. Um, uh, casting Fassbender as Magneto because when they cast him as Magneto for uh, First Class, that was not the shoe in that it is today. Like right now, cast Fassbender in fucking everything. Like no, like it's like that old saying like nobody gets fired for buying IBM. Like you don't get fired for fu- fucking casting Fassbender in anything. Like uh, we need Fassbender to play Snow White. Done. <laughs> Sold. Like, yeah. I'm on board. It's like him and Oscar Isaac like are in any any and everything. Uh, yeah, Oscar Isaac is just now on the like. He's on the cusp. He's on the like, rise. He's on right, the cusp for but sure. Like, Fassbender right now is like the hot property. Well, and mm-hmm. and give it give it to the singer and Fox joint effort on a lot of these because number one, okay, Patrick Stewart. All right, you're dumb if you don't cast him. I mean, how as do you Professor not? X, he looks right? exactly like Professor X. We actually <laughs> have to pause for a second because I have a little tiny anecdote that I read about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart at originally turned down or wasn't going to do the X Men movies, and then somebody sent him a comic book, uh, a cover uh, with Xavier on the front, and and he he was essentially saying, "Why am I in the front of this comic book?" Because he's so perfect for it. Like that so, is you, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he kept looking into it, and obviously we got where well, we are. And here's what's funny: like I'm a big, uh, I'm a big comic book fan. I have been since I was not like a kid, kid, but like young teenager. You know, on. I used to read Wizard magazine. I'd buy the new oh, issue yeah. every month and whatnot. Oh yeah. One of the cool things about Wizard magazine is they always had what a section called casting call. The dream. Right, and it yeah. was like if they made comic book movies because back then they really didn't. That's where that this anecdote is, I just mentioned came from. Yeah, this is who you cast as it, and like, X Men, Patrick Stewart, right there. Same, likewise Always. for Batman and stuff, Mister Freeze. Like that was, yeah, he he would have been perfect at both. Wait, you especially mean they, the Batman the animated series version of Mister Freeze. You yeah. mean they didn't cast Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Freeze, <laughs> Freeze. <laughs> I still meet you. I still. It's gonna be a cold town. Oh, I don't know. A cold time in the old. I don't know. Fucking <laughs> different. Fuck that. Anyway, um. Also, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Actually, this was this was the first movie that he actually did in the U.S. Like they brought him to the United States for the first time to do this movie. Um, so who saw I, that coming? I, I'm pretty you know sure I mean? he was in the United States before that, or he has been in the United States. Before uh, not that. for an acting role, though. Hugh sure. Jackman as Wolverine, though, um, is interesting because if you go back and watch the first couple of movies, especially X One and Two, it doesn't fit. Uh, he grows into that role like oh, he's slowly. Absolutely. Oh, he Hugh Jackman actually becomes. Wolverine. Actually, I would argue that the first one was probably his most clumsy as as far as being Wolverine. But X two, I loved it because it was the first time that we actually got to see a hint of his berserker. Yeah, mm-hmm. but by this side. movie, by this movie, I was like, holy shit! Like, holy shit! Like, good fucking luck recasting Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Well, and what's awesome, and we'll get to this. Actually, I don't even want to talk about this right now because we're gonna get to it. Um, twenty three. 
No, I'm just talking about his role in, in, in Apocalypse altogether. Keep going. All right. Um, no, but like now it's like I can't even think of anybody else to be Wolverine. And I was I was kind of down on it because when I saw that they cast Hugh Jackman, like the dude's 6'2", mm-hmm. which is a, an even foot taller than what Wolverine is in the comic books. He's 5'2 right. in the comic books. Yeah. He still doesn't exactly they physically call him runt, fit. You know what, what I mean? What they're talking about with Wolverine, but God, yeah. if he's not such a good portrayal of that character. Yeah, ev- everything else. Like, like it's sort of like i've loved his hair in every incarnation that he's yeah. been in by the I way feel like, okay like, okay well, let's call it the let, spirit let, of the character let, let's okay let's back way the fuck up and talk about x-men apocalypse yeah, yeah. wait what that's going forward <laughs> <laughs> um, you mean that's what we're supposed to be talking about all yeah, along yeah. no um this movie surprised me um there was a lot more exposition at the beginning than i kind of figured there would be mm-hmm. um i did i did like the um the flashback sequence from Egypt that we see mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning. Uh, even more, I loved that they reintroduced Moira, Moira into the the storyline. That yes, um, I was not the hugest fan of her in, in First Class, even though I love First Class as a movie. Mm-hmm. Like I just thought she was a really odd choice, like casting wise. Yeah, um, the the actress that plays her, and I don't even remember her name, and I, I apologize because that's a dick move, but. Um, by the time we see her again, we meet her again in this movie. Like I was, I was waiting to see her again, um, and and oh, she comes right back into it. Yeah, and, yeah. and they did a really good job. Um, and it, and it, and it kind of provides that balance for Charles Xavier. Yeah, you know, and and definitely, I thought it was a little bit like like the scene where he's going to into the CIA and everything, and he's all bumbling and can't say the right words. That was a little heavy handed for me, but. Uh. <laughs> a bit a bit yeah. but at the same time like it kind of goes to and 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 the reason they did it obviously was was uh, to show ha- that hashtags, he still had hardcore feelings for this chick sorry hashtag spoiler alert as far as x-men first class goes if you have not seen it you may want to eh, skip this part eh. yeah, or, or just or, go watch you know, it fuck you whatever yeah we don't we don't <laughs> we don't want people to not listen to our podcast they just need to bone up on the source material it's fine i'm sure it won't be released until like after it's out of theaters so <laughs> what, what, what are you well, trying to say well, with the editing job that, that uh eddie does over here charles e smith if you don't uh <laughs> hey 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 you're getting cut out of the show <laughs> that's at charles e smith ah, yeah, thank it. you very much <laughs> on twitter <laughs> um all right so um gosh there's there's a lot to like about this movie uh um we were talking about this uh, earlier today, and one of the things that I said is that if you watched the cartoon in the 90s, this is sort of like fan service to you directly. There's so much stuff that's pulled directly, even from like costume choices to, you know, the, the character types that's like pulled directly from that or feels like it's pulled directly from that, which, you know, comes a lot from the comic book continuity. Um, so that that is fantastic. Uh, the whole Moira, Moira thing totally dug um to bryce's credit like i did find those scenes like a little bit um i don't want to say off-putting but they were a little odd because uh uh, and maybe this is because we're always picturing the older charles xavier who is never flustered who is never you know like he's calm and collected and yeah like the the dude operates at zen level like a thousand all the time um it was kind of interesting. I actually didn't hate the scene because I kind of liked seeing uh, Xavier a little bit flustered. It's sort of like I liked in Days of Futures Past where um, Wolverine comes to find Xavier and he's basically all strung out. I love McAvoy's Xavier. So do I. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
a lot, and and which is taking nothing away from Patrick Stewart's Xavier. They're just playing. It's like Deadpool. I mean, they're the same uh, what, character. The McAvoy or Stewart one. <laughs> yeah, but they're essentially playing two different characters. One is the young, very uh, much balls to the wall kind of abrasive. Uh, still dealing with his emotions, Xavier, and the other one is the one who's like, "Yep, been through I, all that I shit." I learned from that shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the core is certainly very much the same. And and you know, just to clarify, I definitely didn't hate the scene at all. I I just I just you know I, I felt there were certain parts of it and some of the lines that he he says oh, I, stutters I, I, yeah, over. I'm just like, that. oh come on, <laughs> a little bit too on the nose, maybe. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a little bit too much like like he can't just control a little bit what he's trying to say. You know who's never too on the nose though? Mm. There's two characters. Evan Peters as uh Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh forgive me, I can't remember his name, Sweet Beast. Dreams are made of oh, these. Hank. Oh, Hank. Um, no, I told you you love the arrhythmic scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. <laughs> You know, here's the thing, and and I, this could have been budgetary or or otherwise. Uh-huh. So obviously, one of my favorite scenes from Days of Future Past is the Quicksilver scene in in the, uh, the, in the Pentagon yeah, kitchen the kid, where they're kitchen. breaking out Magneto and whatnot, right. um, which is the time in a bottle song and whatnot. Because I thought that scene was really well done. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, time in a bottle. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's into. So and and of course there was another another pseudo montage scene in this one only it was set to the Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. Um because you know what says speedster like Annie Lennox really? Everybody. Okay, I'm gonna meet you both. <laughs> I mean they anyway. could have done they could have done the Nine Inch Nails version. It's all right, the Trent Reznor version. Oh. Yeah, which okay, is very so, well done. Also, um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people watch that scene and were like, "Oh, that's the same thing as the one before." But I was like, "Yes, please, I love that fucking scene." <laughs> do more before. of it. Yes, do it. Do <laughs> yeah. it. Do it. I was, do it. I was actually kind of hoping for a second full-on scene. Yeah, uh, which we kind of got teased a little bit a couple times um, toward the the climax of the movie in yep. the third act. Right, um, but it wasn't a full-on other scene like that see um, you look at listen to you talking the third act like you're kevin fucking smith this this movie really <laughs> made me appreciate uh or quicksilver made me appreciate like quicksilver is probably one of the most powerful x-men in the x universe like first off f- forgive me because i'm not nearly as into the comic and i can see matt like ah you're fucking wrong but no uh, no, no but like this scene at least from what we've seen in the X-Men universe so far on screen like Quicksilver is pure, obviously one of the most powerful X-Men in the entire X-Men cinematic universe and uh, the reason I'm bringing this up or reason I mentioned it aside from just X-Men is just think about the Flash like who wins in a fight or who wins in a race between uh, the Flash and Quicksilver it's gotta be the Flash mm-hmm. uh, so just think about how powerful the Flash could be at his you know that's the thing is is I think Marvel has always utilized Quicksilver in a way that is more I don't want to say more meaningful um but he is he's super powerful um as as far as Marvel is concerned and and I don't think DC treats the Flash nearly as well as they could in terms of exactly what he could be the, the Flash could be a god 
that's what I was just yeah. going to say. Like, the reason that they don't, I think, is because if they start treating the Flash, like, it depends on who writes the Flash. But, like, there's this one scene that I'm thinking of is where they're talking about, like, a, a um, nuclear weapon goes off in North Korea. And the Flash saves, like, 276,000 people in, like, a fraction of an attosecond or something like that. Uh, which plus the different things that he can do with his body, like uh, vibrate his molecules to pass through solid objects and stuff like that. They don't give Quicksilver that kind of that level kind of, of that he's kind just of really of, fucking fast. Like yeah, um, granular right. control over his abilities. Yeah, it's 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 more of a very generic. Hey, you're he just really moves fucking fast. fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? But really fast. we're not gonna think too much about it. We're not gonna get it too far it, into it. If yeah. you think about how fast he can move, based on what we've seen in the movies. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to do the things that the Flash does. Sure. See, that just makes me really want a scene similarly. First off, uh, the, the scene, the you know, the sweet dream scene in this movie would probably wreck the Flash TV show's budget for like the entire season. <laughs> um, but man, wouldn't you love to see Barry like going full, you know, balls to the wall? Uh, um, in the way that he does here, we get a glimpse of that. I think when he fights Zoom in the beginning of the finale, but yeah. uh, man, I just want more I, of that. I feel like budget-wise, they would just have to do it where, like, like the other actors are just pretending to move really slowly. Yeah, <laughs> like, and slow, Barry's moving like, full speed. <laughs> Joe, slow down. Yeah, dude. Uh, and it would look so chintzy. There was and awful. there there was uh, there was a um, shit that should not be segment on Babylon. Yeah, uh, one week that actually involved a really low budget movie uh-huh. where they couldn't afford slow-mo and so the actors legitimately <laughs> just yes. did stuff really slow yes so that's, that's amazing uh, um, i love it i don't remember the name of the movie uh otherwise i would drop it just so people could know but uh it, it's happened <laughs> like you're you said it as a joke but it's that's like, awesome like studios have legitimately well, you done gotta, shit you gotta like figure this. budgetary wise like like that what else can you do yeah if if the Berlanti show spent that much money on a scene mm-hmm. for the flash. Like they would be like, well, that's cool. We can't make any other shows for the rest of the season now though. Like yeah. that's yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, like I said, or, you know, going back to where I was before this, this show is really like a love letter to the fans of the nineties cartoon and, and, and the X-Men in general. There's a lot of things that are awesome in this, like nightcrawler, uh, first off nightcrawler, probably one of my favorite x-men if not my favorite x-men so i love seeing nightcrawler used well in the movies i, I enjoyed the nightcrawler that we got in x2 as well i'm just gonna throw that I, out there. i was just gonna say the nightcrawler we got in x2 god damn that was amazing and he was a little bit more sure of himself than the nightcrawler we got in this movie this nightcrawler was still kind of being this nightcrawler's a kid he was young like, approached yeah. with yeah. you know pitchforks and shit you know yeah so but I really like this incarnation of Nightcrawler, and I really liked how they, they played that character. Um, you know, we get to see, and, and, you know, like, again, another nod to the fans. Like, we get to see Nightcrawler in the Thriller jacket the whole time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> same same way. We get to see Jubilee with the, you know, bubblegum haircut and, and uh, uh, you know, the yellow jacket. So, as we were used can to I seeing. just tell you, though, that, um, and, and I don't mean to cut you off in, in mid-thought or anything. Go for it. Uh, but Bryce mentioned this last night, and then today when I actually watched the movie... I noticed exactly what he was talking about. They made a big deal when they cast Jubilee. Yeah, and, and, and she was a minor some of the, character. Some of the stills that they showed from set, like 
had Gene and Jubilee and stuff. So I think there's stuff that got left on the cutting room floor that we never saw. Um, I, I did not put a link into the, to this in the show notes, but there definitely is. Like yeah, that's already been like there's been a couple of stories talking about how there's some uh, extended scenes that uh, definitely got left in the cutting room floor. I like, wonder if we're gonna. There's see a lot more mall stuff that did not get in the movie, like any of it. Yeah, they made a big deal about going <laughs> to the mall, and then just all of a sudden Quicksilver's there, and they're coming back for the mall. Yeah, you know. Um, so it kind of makes me hopeful that maybe when the Blu-ray release comes out, we'll get another director's cut. Because I actually finally watched yeah. the Rogue cut of Days of Future Past last night for the yeah, first time. I, I watched it a couple weeks ago. Um, and Great. the, the dude, like the entire scene uh, when, um, what's her name? Shadowcat, Kitty Pride. Mm. When she gets hurt in the future while they're, while she's like having her hands around Wolverine and stuff like that. Like they changed that entire sequence in the rogue cut because they actually go and rescue rogue from the X mansion where she's being tortured and experimented on and shit. Oh, and bring her back and she absorbs Kitty pride's powers and continues the thing. Like she's a much bigger part. Whoa. Like that's entirely different. yeah, Yeah. Like not only does it change the sequence, but like it makes her character way more important than it was. Cause as it was in days of future past at the end, like that's the only time we saw her was at the very end when yeah. she's yeah. like kissing Bobby or whatever in the hallway and whatnot, or not kissing him. Cause I'd kill him, but you know, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I thought that was really well done. Like for like, it, this is one of those few things where the director's cut actually matters. There's a couple movies like that that the director's cut really makes a difference. This one, Aliens comes to mind, and and the odd thing about the Aliens director's cut is it's Blade actually shorter. Uh, Donnie Darko. Yeah, Blade Runner is completely different too, and Donnie Darko. Um, Aliens, the director's cut is actually shorter than the than the theatrical cut. Theatrical cut, but it's way better. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. That aside. Uh. So, uh, hopefully we get to see a little bit more. I, I would like to see more Jubilee in a director's cut Blu-ray. Yeah, or, I see or some, even some deleted scenes. I, I, I want to see powers. Them. I want to see something. Yeah, you I want to see the sparklers. Involved. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah, and I think that was even a trailer. Like we definitely got Jubilee sparklers in a trailer that didn't make it into the movie. So yeah. that another reason to look forward to the director's cut. But there's so much cool stuff in here that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, one of the overall arcs in the movie is uh, Jean Grey, and. Uh, God, did they have a lot to redeem from X3. And I thought yeah. they did not a great, wonderful job of that, but I thought they did a pretty good job of getting um, Jean Grey to a a better place by the end of this movie. Um, I wasn't 100% sold on her until uh, until until the third act during the during the final. The Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, that was only hinted at. Thank you. <laughs> it was only hinted at with the giant phoenix. Yeah, no, on not screen. at all. You like, wouldn't have noticed that like, ever. Sometimes when I want sex, I hint at it by slapping my wife in the face with my dick. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's about how subtle this hint was. Yeah, and and you know, honestly, um, they did the phoenix better in that one just uh, twenty second scene than they did in the entire X three movie. Yeah, uh, I mean the X three, which X three was just an abortion of a movie, which funny enough came up in X Men uh, Apocalypse when they were like uh, they came out of the theater after having watched Return of the Jedi and Jubilee is talking about how she you know Empire is better and uh, I think it's Cyclops that says something like well everybody knows the third one's usually kind of crappy that was Jean actually Jean, yeah, yeah. Jean she's like Jean. one thing we can all agree on is the third one's always the worst it was, it was yeah Sansa yeah yeah, yeah it, it, which is doubly. Uh, 
brilliant because X3 really is total hot garbage and uh, we're in the third you know movie of this and is there a trilogy. single person here like talking about the original three X-Men movies that thinks that is there is there anybody here that doesn't think that X2 was the best of that oh absolutely trilogy? or no, that no X3 way. was the worst no I, I don't really don't think so so yeah. so in order of importance X2 X-Men X3, X3. Mm-hmm. right so or a quality order you know yeah so. And and here's the thing, like, I can tell you, none of us have watched those movies together. So these, like, yeah. this order is not predetermined. Predetermined, like, like, this is definitely something that's independent. Yeah, right. I mean, but also you got to think about, especially when you're comparing X one and X two, you got to think about how X one was really one of the preliminary superhero movies that was, you know, when people started to say, okay, we're going to take superhero movies seriously and actually put a good effort into them. So, I mean, you know, to make it a shitty comparison, it's almost like if you go back right now and look at American Pie, you're just like, how this movie's kind of shitty. But, you know, it really started that whole genre. And, you know, I'm just going to be 100% honest, like any movie where I see Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth tits, like I'm never going to say that movie's shitty. (laughs) Right. Like. I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm just going to be honest and tell you that right now. But have you watched the original American Pie recently? uh, That's like how... uh, like Leonardo, Leonardo uh, blah, blah, blah. DiCaprio should look into that. Like how he gets Oscars. Like just include Shannon Elizabeth naked in every one Ooh. of them. Like boom, one. Ooh. Was she naked in that movie? No, not at all. I was just saying that's a good strategy for that Hollywood. Should happen. Like if I, you just put Shannon Elizabeth, I think naked more movies with Shannon Elizabeth in the box office generally the on, on the plus yeah, side of things. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe you and I watch American Pie differently, but usually I do it with the pause button in one hand and my dick in the other. So <laughs> one of you your keeps left hand, pause on. button in your left hand. You're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so um, man, we're talking around this movie. We're not really talking about it. Um, we've talked about it. Um, I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac is up as Apocalypse. Like, oh, fucking amazing. So. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed the Oscar Speaking Isaac, of the new hotness. But right. I do think yeah. that um, this is a weaker portrayal of Apocalypse. Like I, th- I thought that they talk up Apocalypse a lot, and they hint a lot at what Apocalypse it, can do. It really seems like he needs other people a lot more than he should. Yeah, but until we get to the third act, it's not really entirely clear what you know how powerful Apocalypse really is, and I really would have liked to see a stronger show that at the beginning of the movie. Okay, so yeah, he from- doesn't do much. He, he's more of a let's find my people and empower them from yeah. a comic book perspective um you you see his horsemen more than you see him yeah uh and in this movie like you don't see his horsemen unless you're with him because they all travel in packs apparently yeah uh, and the other piece of it too is his horsemen in this movie actually still had the ability to uh choose yeah uh, whereas his horsemen in in the comic books, like he controls them, which is funny because that's a plot point in this movie. Like the reason, the, or the big plot point is he wants to steal Xavier's power, um, you know, by basically inhabiting his body and yeah. thus you know transferring power. That's really not really explained. I don't think very well in this. No, movie they kind of they kind of stumble around that a little bit. Um, I did like Oscar Isaac, obviously. Like he's, oh, totally. he's a brilliant actor. Um. Yeah, didn't didn't so much care as much for the apocalypse that we got on screen. Uh, and here's the thing, again, not taking anything away from it because I don't I don't know how I would have made this movie. Um, 
because I don't know what kind of budgetary limitations they had. I don't know what kind of writing limitations they had. Um, but they, they blended two characters into one to make Apocalypse, and that is Apocalypse and the Shadow King. And um, the Shadow King piece of it, I thought, I didn't hate, um, because they've never explained the Shadow King, and I think that would have been an entirely separate movie all on its own, and I don't know that they're going to get that opportunity, necessarily. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't, and I'm not saying they're done making these movies, but who knows? I mean, the Shadow King's not a character that uh, I don't think you could do a movie around and get away with. Yeah. Um, but they they did that whole thing with the um the battle inside uh Xavier's head. Yeah. Uh that that was that was I mean if you if you ever read the um the story of of Storm and her origin as pertaining to the Shadow King and how Xavier rescued Storm from the Shadow King that like that was that was right out of it. Um, similar to the uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, penultimate fight scene between Batman versus Superman and, and, and BBS. Yeah. Uh, right out of the pages of the comic books. Uh, yeah. Only a different character entirely. Totally. So that was interesting to me um, and not in a bad way. I, I did enjoy the movie um, completely. Actually, I, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, as much as in retrospect, I find flaws with the movie. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the whole damn time. Like, yeah. I really I was enjoyed, engaged like, like I, I I loved watching this movie so um there was a lot of things that I really liked about it like I said it it is very much you know there's a lot of fan nods in this movie um uh, which I really enjoyed actually because there's a lot of things that I I missed seeing in the um you know like even something small like at the end of the movie at the very very end we get the danger room um the danger room itself was like a such a huge like Gosh, I'm so excited to see that on the screen sort of thing. And I'm curious as to whether or not this was the actual danger room or if it was just a room with some sentinels in it. <laughs> so, so am I, but I'm kind of happy either way. Like, that, that's the thing. Like, they, they did a, you know, whatever whatever the answer is to that question, it's a proper homage to the comics. Like, that's fine. You know, honestly, the only way that that scene would have ended better is if it would have ended with the... Where they were fighting and showed a little bit of them fighting the Sentinels, you know, just like the theme music from the '90s cartoon. Yep. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, though, like I, I really, this wasn't the strongest installment in this trilogy. No, actually, it kind of fits the trilogy rule pretty perfectly. I'm still going to stick with Days of Future's Past as being uh, Days of Future Past, rather as being the strongest in this trilogy. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know that first class was stronger than this one though um just in terms of overall storytelling like i thought this story was really well told and it actually utilized um sequences from first class it did which i really liked actually um well to to tell the story um another thing too is we got to see here is probably one of my biggest disappointments in the movie and it wasn't actually um anything more than we didn't get enough psylocke um and i don't just mean from a unitard up the ass perspective yeah. hey um hey dude she was hot mm-hmm. like i know Olivia you were Meadows you were perfect. you were resident uh re- reticent, reticent about uh olivia munn as I, as psylocke you know and i don't think i was entirely wrong here like she she literally had probably four lines this entire movie my biggest disappointment and, and i'm not even it? sure if one of them was a complete sentence she should have had an english accent yeah yeah. Or she should show showed her boobs. Like, dude, we saw two chances. plenty of her boobs. Not enough. I mean, we didn't see nip. Never enough. But uh, 
So here's the deal with her though. Um, this, the, the deal with Psylocke is like her body is actually not her body. Like she is an English gal from an English family. Like they're, they're pseudo royalty and whatnot. Um, and her consciousness got put into the Asian girl's body. So she is, she's like this Asian chick with a, with a ridiculous, sexy British accent. Which in the comic to, books to be noted, Psylocke in this movie had neither a British accent nor was she even kind of Asian. Olivia Munn's kind of Asian. No, she's not. She's kind of. She's as Asian as I, I am. She could look like a quarter Asian if you if you, you said she, she's a quarter Asian in the movie. She's got like, dark yeah, hair. Y'all racist motherfuckers. Whoa. Yeah. That's Matt just cracked into our 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 next drink here. Uh, Bryce, why don't you tell us about it? So what we have here is is something I've never had before. In fact, uh, this no, I never have. I a a Breda Rosé, which is also a Firestone Walker. They were the same brewery that that produced that succuba that we does. Does the Breda and uh, is, is that indicative that there's some um, Brettanomyces? Yes, you're wondering. So it, it states that the microflora are actually uh, Brettanomyces lambicus, which is a different one, and uh, oh, oh. Uh, Lambobacillus brevis. Uh, they have a proprietary so this is blend. this is a lambic ale then basically. It is a lambic ale. It is it is definitely soured. A wild ale fermented with raspberries is the is the description. A little weaker. It's more on a beer side. It's about a five point three. It's uh, phenomenal though. Like the yeah. tart. Yeah, I really yeah, li- but I, it's yeah, really extremely snappy. tart. It's barreled completely in French Arrow barrels, um, and they only made uh, three thousand cases of this stuff. So. Only three thousand cases. Yeah, we, we got one bottle. It is. It is a very. <laughs> so far, so far, one bottle. <laughs> I might. I'm, I'm gonna try to find another one to to age. Like, not that I would ever assume that I wouldn't want multiple Firestone beers. Yeah, but this one kind of ambushed me, as did the succuba. It's like I went. I went to buy some beer to come down and, and hang out with, and like I picked out a couple of bottles, and then I went over there, and then sitting on the counter right by you know where you're gonna buy your shit they had some succuba and some of this and i was just like well i can't just not buy that so <laughs> you know in the future i i might actually plan a trip to buy uh something like this to to age for a little while to see yeah, it for a bit it's, it's super good uh but yeah i think i think this is great and i think it would it would be even better if you hang out for a year or something like that yeah 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 um also, just in, in tradition of me uh, proving Eddie wrong about things. Uh, is Olivia Munn part Asian or something? Um, so her mother is of Chinese descent and lived in Vietnam. So she's almost Hey-o, two kinds of Asian. Bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take that. What? My apologies to Olivia Munn and her nice. Asian Andrew Dude, ancestry. Here's here's the thing. Uh, she was smoking hot as Psylocke. Like, she looked like fucking Psylocke. Yeah. Yeah, see, okay. She did. Like, don't get me wrong. Like... Uh, she Olivia Munn is super hot. Like that was never in question. I just wish that she wasn't so obviously eye candy in this movie. Like they could have given her lines. Uh, you know they could have given her more than two or three lines. Like that's the only problem I had with Olivia Munn as Psylocke. Uh, the fight scenes were epic. Like I really like how they how they did the fight scenes with uh, uh, Psylocke. But they kind of took some liberties with how her powers are used. She because she's definitely more of a of a telepath. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she just. Yeah, which didn't really come through too much. It was more like, "Hey, you have you have a lightsaber out of your hand." Her you know? her fucking pink shit yeah. is like that's her psionic it's a fucking psychic, stab. It's a psychic, yeah, like she yeah. fucks with your mind with that shit. So, 
um and they didn't do that at all it was more like just like a hard light projection like she was a green lantern or something yeah Yeah, like so that that's the thing that bothered me i think about psylocke in general is and and, you know going back to the beginning you know that when we started talking about this movie in the trailers there was never any question that she's gonna be hot what what the question was is is she gonna be anything more than hot and i don't think that necessarily that I i don't think we got that yeah, I don't think so. Not not enough. And that's now. that's almost more yeah, not. I, I mean, that's less her fault. Obviously. No, it's pure writing. It's it's pure writing and how the movie's directed. You know, like you you can only act. You know, the four words she got to say in the damn movie, like uh, one one or the other ways. It's just like um, in Deadpool. Uh, I forget what her fucking name is. Um, the uh, former MMA chick. Oh, uh, Carano. Yeah. Uh, Carano, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Uh, she also got like two lines. Yeah, like she was super hot in the movie, but she, you know, I almost feel like her character was utilized better though. Ever so slightly. Um, yeah, yeah. Dead, Deadpool definitely. Here's was, the thing, but... and I can tell you, like the piece of the of the writing that actually is to blame for the lack of of any depth with Psylocke whatsoever, um, and that is the part with um, Apocalypse actually making them his horsemen. Like uh, they, they should have gone that route a little bit more because that would have made sense. Same thing with Storm. Storm barely had any interaction outside of the first well, five minutes of the movie. And here's the thing, man. Uh, with Storm, like, it showed her hair changing from dark to white and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was there was visible change as well as uh, it, it looked to me like uh, a, a growth in power with her. Yeah. Next comes Psylocke, which she was just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and, hey guess what? Your, and then, your purple blade is going to glow a little bit more whitely. And and then and then she had There's the unitard in her ass, which I'm not complaining about. Right. Yeah, totally solid. Um, And then we get Archangel, right? Mm-hmm. Archangel Who was fucking cool. went through a giant metamorphosis. Right. That was a transition. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we get Magneto, and he's like, uh, no, you're already powerful. Just do this. Yeah. Hey, Magneto. You do realize you're Magneto, right? Just yeah. It's more, fucking be Magneto. It, it was more like, hey, hey, you don't even need me. The power was in you the whole time. Like, yeah, yeah. That kind of a thing. So that's that's where I feel like this movie was definitely the weakest, is like the horsemen of the apocalypse are always changed very fundamentally, not only in terms of powers, but as as who they are as individuals, because they're no longer individuals once they're, they're horsemen of the horsemen. apocalypse yeah. when it comes to the comic book yeah. continuity and whatnot. And I mean, they just, if they were going to go that direction, they couldn't have done the movie that they did because, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the penultimate scenes in the movie is where Eric decides not to fight with the pop uh, apocalypse, which, you know, by the way, like the only character that didn't bitch out, uh, or no, that's not true. Uh, Archangel went down and Psylocke was like, man, I'm out of here. But like storm and uh, Magneto, totally changed sides the last fucking second like mm-hmm. it's like it's like they took the matches to the forest they lit the fucking forest on fire they fanned the flames for a good half an hour and then like they were like oh you know what? we should put this shit out now that like the forest is ablaze <laughs> like maybe maybe throw a bucket of water on it or something probably not the best idea in the world yeah, yeah and everybody yeah. was like oh cool they threw a bucket of water we were good man <laughs> let's be friends you want to be an x-men uh it's a, it's more believable for magneto obviously because they had a a relationship with with the Magneto character before. I mean, sort and of. Especially when it came down. The, so let's talk about what the movie did right. Number one, you have Raven, who's like, uh, yeah, Magneto's been spotted, but did anybody 
noticed that he's been laying low for 10 years now like he had something going obviously like he wasn't it's not like he's been sitting around plotting to kill a bunch of fucking cops in poland yeah you know what i mean um the most brilliant plan i've ever heard yeah (laughs) yeah so like that's i loved the development of her character to the point where she's just like um okay so shit's fucked up and i'm pretty sure eric's in trouble so we should go do something like i love that also love the dynamic between eric and his wife and kid and shit like that like watching that scene was one of the most difficult fucking scenes to watch in that movie because it was done that well yeah and i'm yeah. really this is a, this is a part where i was really glad they cast somebody like fassbender because that could have came off cheesy as hell uh but fassbender sold that shit like yeah he, he's a super good actor there's a reason why like you can cast fassbender as fucking anything and he's gonna be fine so. exactly the only thing you can fault fassbender for is that he's scottish to the core <laughs> um and so like nobody believes he's from poland because <laughs> when he talks like it's the scott that you hear it's it's more prevalent in first class than it is in any of the other movies but it's there you know i'm just like why is he scottish it's like oh you're a scottish pole okay <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. good that's good yeah <laughs> yeah you're scott's pole that's fine slight accent yeah slight um, accent. no but yeah like tremendous in in that aspect as as far as watching his his fucking wife and daughter get murdered <laughs> like i can't fault magneto no. a lot of the times because like really like his fucking existence is born of tragedy and like, it doesn't matter like yeah i couldn't really fault him to the end uh uh, uh the whole scene like where he's he go he kills the cops like, I totally would have done that. Like, oh, yeah. No, not a fucking question. Like, I would have ended them, like, just as easily as he did. When he goes back to the factory, that's where I would be like, a little gray area. No, nope, like, not me. No, I, no, I totally got it. Because, like, like, those I, cops didn't show up without somebody from that fucking metal workshop open in their mouth. It wasn't, like, when he got back to the factory and he was like, I'm going to I'm gonna fuck this shit up. It wasn't like I was like, oh, no, you can't do that. That's wrong. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, man. You're going to probably kill somebody that had nothing to do with that shit. Yeah, maybe find out who actually talked to the cops. Yeah, but, you like... Know. But, like, that whole idea, I was like, oh, no, I, I get that. Like, I get where he's coming from there. It wasn't until the end where he's like, I'm going to end the fucking world. Even the all the little analogs to my daughter and my wife, you know, I'm going to end the fucking world. That That's what, where I was like, oh, man, you're just kind of being a selfish asshole, asshole at this point. Well, Magnet, Magneto from comic books, though, has always been of the opinion that Homo sapiens superior should rule the earth. Oh, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, so, if anything, they downplay that in the, the this trilogy. Yeah, that's what made that scene a little hard, was just because of the fact that, like, the Magneto that we know that that murdered those cops because they killed his kid and whatnot. And I wouldn't even say murdered. I would say avenged his child. Yeah. Um, is a far cry different from, I'm going to wipe existence, you know, wipe every person from existence that doesn't isn't strong enough to survive like that's that's obviously an apocalypse thing that's his that's his deal survival yep. of the fittest and whatnot um which i don't think they really focused on enough like it it's not that he was doing this because of how fucked up uh because of how fucked up society was like apocalypse's whole thing has always been the strong should survive oh like, yeah for sure and it would have been that way had he not been betrayed in fucking 1600 bc yeah, that feel, was his deal. I feel like a lot of that more came through in the dialogue more so than like his actual actions in the movie. I don't it, even feel like I got it from the dialogue. Like the dialogue for Apocalypse was kind of more like bitchy. Like I was asleep for a whole bunch of years and I'm pissed off because the earth isn't how I thought it should be. Um not not a 
survival of the fittest from a genetic standpoint kind of a thing and honestly like the way he they described his power set where he just like takes powers and shit like that kind mm-hmm. of betrays the whole idea of survival of the fittest and whatnot um as a no, race it's it's true it's like I'll, I'll make myself the best by taking everyone else's powers i mean obviously that's survival of the fittest like being... to its very core and whatnot but like you need followers if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna lead um all right so overall how do we feel about the movie um seven and, seven and a half out of ten i would say yeah. eight maybe yeah seven seven or eight yeah yeah right there. that's right where i'd fall to which uh notably we're we're well above rotten tomatoes on this um yeah no no reason whatsoever not to watch the movie and, and again a lot of a lot of parts to the movie that that i really did enjoy um gene gray um i wasn't sure how i was gonna feel about this about her character especially once they recast her and i saw the the person that that they'd cast because i wasn't really familiar with her any of her work um guess you haven't watched game of thrones yeah no i that's the thing is and i got hbo for free for still another two months so i think i might actually try and burn through a good portion of that before get it all just do it all just do it um you know you want to first of you breaking bad yeah i know i know edward i know Mm -hmm. we're both wrong for different reasons but basically the same (laughs) reason yeah yeah. yeah, 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 it's true. Anyway, continue your thoughts on Sansa um, slash Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I, I thought that she's the first person that's actually kind of captured the essence of of the character that is Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they kind of blended a little bit of Jean and Rachel Grey together a little bit, um, because Rachel Grey is a little bit more tortured than Jean was. Uh, if you're familiar with the x-men comics at all which i know you're not you're getting there because you're i've read like three issues dude i know <laughs> i know no I'm, I'm not faulting you this week because we've this has been kind of a rough week comic book wise and i think we're going to end up talking about comic books here in a little bit which might actually be a separate show at this point yeah i mean we're going to talk about it tonight but i think yeah. it might actually be not part of this episode because we're yeah, at two hours no, they, they, they captured gene really well i agree and and I gotta say that they captured Scott fairly decently too, because he was a fucking douchebag. <laughs> uh, yeah, he definitely got a lot of that in there. But but at the same time, you identified with some of his some of his struggles. It, it, it's funny because he sort of did do a good job, or they did do a good job with Scott, like having him straddle this line between like uh, uh, insufferable douche and yet sort of like quasi tortured soul. Like yeah, um, yeah. So. I enjoyed that. Like the the whole thing with Scott was, I, I thought, really well done. And again, there's a lot about this movie that was kind of just like, okay, seriously, everybody, please just forget about X three. Just forget it ever happened. <laughs> Here's a new Jean Grey. We're gonna, you know, just basically undo all the bullshit we did to Jean in in X three. Here's a new Cyclops. We're gonna unfuck that character too. Like I never liked Marsden as Cyclops. See, Marsden as Cyclops didn't bother me. What bothered me is that, like, especially in X three. I, I cannot imagine a worse way to treat the character. Yeah. I, F- Famke Jansen, I really... Like, she's fucking gorgeous, and I thought she portrayed a really, really, really delicious Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, again, X3 and bad storytelling. Yeah. Like, I was right on board with Famke Jansen until X3. Uh, and then in X3, they, like, they took one of my favorite storylines and just fucked it right well, up their poop shoot. So, and like, that's, that's the thing. Like, the end sequence from x2 like where she dies and then you see the phoenix kind of underwater like i was like we're gonna get the phoenix next 
Max, and I was yeah, so, so looking forward. I. I was yeah. so looking forward to X Men Three, and then what we got was just like, wow, well, that's not what I wanted. We're tearing <laughs> houses apart but, and what? dissolving people. Like Excuse what? Me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, let, let me just say, as as far as this movie is concerned, that that's something that was a very ambitious thing that they did. Was they really made new characters out of old ones? In what? In, in the new movie, oh, yeah, Apocalypse, yeah. you know, they, they, they had to introduce Scott and they had to introduce Jean Grey and, you know, kind of get us used to the new new characters and the new actors. See, I love it. I love it and hate it because on the one hand, like, if they hadn't done X3, we wouldn't need a lot of the shit in the last two movies explaining why these characters don't suck. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Um, I was reading Reddit this morning and I almost got sucked into it. Luckily, I didn't. Like, I was busy enough this morning that I actually didn't actually reply to a single comment on this thread but basically it was talking about how brian singer had mentioned in passing that he wouldn't mind doing another x-men movie with the original cast uh-huh. i would love if he did that see and i i completely disagree that's funny um because those movies are tarnished right now and like number one i hated halle various storm i always have always will that that's fair like she's the one that i i unequivocally think they got wrong um the only member of any of these movies that hasn't been recast in any way, shape, or form at this point? Wolverine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And for a reason. Yep. Um, I just... I, I don't feel like perfect. it's necessary. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you do that, then you're basically saying we didn't really fuck up as bad with X3 as everybody said we did, and we're just going to do this because we can and I don't like it. Well, like number one, is he saying that, or is he saying I? I wish I could kind of remake. Okay, X three. No, I. And see, here's the thing: is I think he just mentioned in passing that he wouldn't mind getting the original cast back together. I don't think it'll ever happen. In fact, I know it won't ever happen because. No, no, um, we got Wolverine for the next movie, and that's it. Jackman said he's done after X three, and I don't think or Wolverine three, and I don't think there's anything that you can do at this point to make him do it again. Yeah. Um, just because at this point he's been playing that character for 16 years. By the time we actually get Wolverine 3 out, it'll be 17 years. Fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, how and, long How long has Daniel Craig been James Bond? Oh, he, he, you guys, we haven't talked about this on, on the show, movies, I don't think. 2007, but, I think, right? So nine years? Yeah, three movies. Three movies. And, nine and years. He's already movies. done. He's already done. Four? Yeah. No. Really? Casino. Yeah. Casino Royale, Quantum oh. Solace, Skyfall, Inspector. Yeah, you're Four right. Four movies. Fuck. Um, and he's done. Like, he's not coming back. Like, right. I had originally thought that he was under contract to do one more, but he said no. And, like, we're all but confirmed that Hiddleston is the next Bond Yeah. at this point. So, I mean, if Hugh Jackman says he's done after 17 years, I kind of got to believe it. <laughs> well, okay, you can't really compare it to Bond, though, because Bond, that's the way the character has worked for a long time. Uh... No. Yeah. Roger Moore and, and Roger Moore and Connery did a lot more movies. In fact, but the, Connery but did the same movie twice with two different names as the point as was Bond. it was it was a limited run. You know, like, like it's never been a thing where like this is gonna be the actor the whole time. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is like you have an actor that's that synonymous with a role because let's face it, the Bond franchise was all but dead when they recast Daniel Craig. And they, they did Casino Royale, and, and they, they changed the feel of Bond, and only over the last couple of movies have they slowly kind of morphed it back into what 
the essence of Bond was all about and been successful with it. Sure. Yeah. A more realistic portrayal, I would say, but yes. And... And in fairness, Spectre wasn't great. Skyfall was awesome. Sky it, Quantum Solace was shit. That's the thing with the with Casino the Daniel Craig great. Bond movies is it's like every other. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and and that's the thing is like everybody kind of blamed Quantum Solace on the writer's strike, but that obviously wasn't the case because Spectre was just meh. <laughs> it was more. It was better meh than Quantum was. Like, no, no, no. But... I, really, I really seriously care about the water rights in Bolivia. Absolutely. Let's. And and here's here's where they fucked up it's with Spectre too. <laughs> Blofeld is one of the best Bond villains ever. Like it's the entire fucking reason why. Oh god, they fucked him up so bad. It's the entire fucking reason why fucking uh, Austin Powers had fucking what's his face Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil, yeah, yeah. Why couldn't I think of that? Yeah, it's the beer. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean. But I, I mean, the whole point of it was not to get into a Bond discussion necessarily, but just right. to say, like, if Daniel Craig says he's done at this point and everybody believes him, there's no reason that people shouldn't believe Jackman at this point if he says he's done. Because Jackman's been doing this for twice as long as Daniel Craig's been doing Bond. And his roles, like, he's a lot more screen time as Wolverine than Daniel Craig's had as Bond. Like, yes, Bond movies are about Bond, so he's essentially in every fucking scene and every act. Whereas Wolverine has not, he hasn't necessarily been in into it that much. Yeah, but enough. You know what I mean? Okay, so there's two things we have to talk about before we talk about comics. Wolverine in this movie, fucking Weapon one. X, like thank straight God. out of the comic books. Weapon X. Yep, that was like helmet um, and everything. That was amazing. I loved it. Like I, I don't know perfect. that there's anything we have to talk about there other than that Wolverine is you know straight up Weapon X out of the comics and gets to totally wreck shit. I love that brilliant and it also gives us some backstory as to how you know we get to the events in x1 where we we find wolverine you know sort of this tortured soul who's been released from the weapon x program you know what barely remembering anything you know what's great about it too is um i hadn't realized how comfortable i'd gotten with the character of wolverine until i saw him in his most feral like getting let out of a cage moment because i was like oh yeah I forgot. He doesn't know who the fuck he is after Weapon X gets a hold of him. Yeah. Yeah. You he know, the, after the program. completely fucked up. Yeah. Like, we, we but got... I was so comfortable, especially with Days of Future Past, because we're, we're dealing with future Wolverine, yeah. projecting his consciousness into old Past Wolverine, Wolverine, who knew who he was. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the chick that he was sleeping with when he first woke up in the past and stuff called him Jimmy and shit. You know what I mean? Like, the, I was so comfortable with dealing with Wolverine on that level. Mm-hmm. At that point in time that like all of a sudden he didn't know who he was and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is what Wolverine was about for a long time. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah th- so that was amazing. And the other thing we need to talk about uh, is actually sort of quasi related to Wolverine. And that's the stinger. Quasi evil. Quasi evil. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to Dr. Evil yeah. and Austin Powers franchise. Sure. And a callback from last episode when we made fun of me for saying quasi. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did. Uh, as as we've already established i don't have any fucking clue what happened last episode (laughs) so anyway um at the end and and matt you're gonna have to take this one because uh i don't know nearly as much about the comic Uh, continuity but there is a fairly prevalent stinger which might lead to the future of the wolverine character um Mm -hmm. so the deal is is that it's been speculated for a long time that the wolverine 3 movie um is going to be a semi-futuristic um storyline in fact there was talk that they were going to go with the old man logan storyline uh, which came out of the last 
uh, Secret Wars uh, crossover from Marvel. I won't get into too much detail about that. Um, but there's been speculation for a long time that Wolverine was not going to be the only uh, adamantium skeleton clawed uh, character in the movie. Um, and so there was heavy, heavy talk that it may be Dakin, who is Wolverine's son. Um, or that it may be possibly X-23, which is Wolverine's, not daughter, but a clone of the 23rd clone of Wolverine um, that he kind of adopted as a pseudo-daughter at one point or another. Um, and I believe, given the stinger that we saw at the end of it, that we're going to see the X-23 character, Laura Kinney. I, I feel like there's certainly some cloning that's going to be taking place. Yeah. Exactly. There kind of has to be. I think they hinted pretty strongly yeah, with, the, with the blood sample and whatnot. Right. Um, Honestly, Laura Kinney is a is she's a favorite character of mine. Um, I'm reading the all new Wolverine series from Marvel right now, um, which is actually her taking on the mantle of, of the Wolverine. She's cool. She's got actually two claws on each hand, but she's also got a third claw um, on her dick. No, she doesn't have a dick actually wow. at all. Um, <laughs> she's she's such a she's got one claw on each foot as well. Ah, like that. There's only I guess you can only have three claws total. I uh, maybe. Yeah. Dakin, three, three claws per side. Dakin body, was interesting yeah. because he had two claws on the top and then another claw that came out from his wrist. Which that, uh, not very practical just, in most cases. See, yeah, that just seems like I cut my so, fucking no. fingers off again. Yeah. God damn Ow. it. <laughs> uh, and then he grows lots of little baby arms like <laughs> like <Yeah>. Deadpool. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so uh that is basically the you know our rambling thoughts on X Men Apocalypse. X twenty three. X twenty three. Yeah, this this looks really cool to me. Yeah, worth a shot. Like absolutely watch it if you if you if you haven't or if you have any doubts based on this relatively shitty Rotten Tomato score as to if you should go see it or not. Um, go ahead and do it. Here's yeah. the thing, man. Like I got a thumbs up. It's easy. It's easy for us to sit here as 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 a trio and kind of focus on on parts of it that were less than desirable. But as a as a movie. Was I entertained for the entire two yeah. two hours and twenty five minutes? Of course, of course I was. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good movie. Yeah, like the thing for me is that it's a little bit of a drop off from Days of Future's Past in terms of uh, quality uh, um, or you know general storytelling, but it's still an awesome movie and there's so yeah. much to like about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say it's definitely go see it. And the thing is, is the X Men movies from Fox have never been. Uh, analogs to the comic books in terms of of how events flow and how characters evolve and whatnot like that's never really been a thing and i've never really held it against them too much because again in the year 2000 we got a movie with fucking x-men in it and i was like okay take my money (laughs) yep please yep so um judging by where we came from and obviously like I, i i I didn't ever think that we would get back to the point where we would be, even when they recast things and did uh, first class. Um, and then his first class wasn't Gene and Beast and everybody else. I, I, I really love yeah. that they've actually managed to do what they have with the franchise because, yeah. th- I mean, it started off relatively okay and then got you know progressively shittier and they've managed to recover a lot of that. So anyway, we'll be right back with some more talk about comics and all that kind of good stuff after this. Yeah, we've got some whatever comics coming to your ear holes. Um, gosh, what a great week for comics. Yeah. Uh, or at least a great week as we read them because this shit's all been out for a little while now, but whatever. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to preface this with um, this is either going to be 
This this is either going to be uh, a, an episode all on its own. A little uh, peek under the skirt for you fellows watching at home and ladies watching at home. Um, we're really strongly thinking about doing its own separate comic book show um, because you know, we read a lot of comic books and it takes a, a, a substantial part of the show. I mean, we're two hours in and we're just now starting what's probably going to be another hour segment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. Um, so lots of stuff happening this week. Um, briefly, let's 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 touch on what's going on in the Marvel Marvel world uh, right now. Um, I Hail actually Hydra. just finished. Yeah, Hail Hydra! I just finished the um, Avengers standoff uh, story arc, which takes place over I think four or five different comic books, and it's been going on for a little while. Um, and it also saw the return of Steve Rogers to his younger former self, um, because for uh, a long time, I think since Secret Wars uh, two, he's been actually kind of a dilapidated ninety year old man because the Super Soldier Serum have been taken from his body. Um, so he was kind of still an agent, but he was more a behind the scenes calling the shots kind of a guy than he was a field agent and whatnot. And then um, this uh, Avenger standoff assault on Pleasant Hill issue um, saw a little girl uh, who was actually uh, formed from the fragments of three different cosmic cubes that had been merged together, um, decided that they wanted to make him whole again. Solid little girl. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Um, so I, I did not read this book, so no. go for it. Uh, so we saw this happen, and then um, obviously the big reveal, and it's actually made the news this week, is that uh, uh, Captain America's gone Hydra. Yeah. Rather um, rather spectacularly, Cat- Captain America has been Hydra, like from practically the beginning. Um, so I'm just going to come out saying. and say it. Like, uh, we were talking about this in the car earlier. I don't like it. Like this is a there. There's only really three potential outcomes. Like number one is this is a stupid you know grab for attention, which is doing phenomenally. Like in fairness, as a, a fan of comic books, like we're seeing news about this in places that you would not necessarily expect to see it. Like like just, on the news, like on, on the TV. news, right? <laughs> um, uh, just you know something like Chris Evans' Twitter alone. Yeah. Uh, um, is attracting a, a a lot of attention towards this there's, particular story. There's a Steve Rogers, Captain America, Hail Hydra meme. Yeah. Where you fill in the fucking word bubble yourself. So step one, or you know, potential outcome number one is that this is just another you know grab for attention, and they're gonna retcon the shit like almost immediately afterwards. Uh, I I don't really like that because that's you know a little bit cheap as far as writing goes. Uh, potential outcome number two, uh, Steve Rogers really has been Hydra this entire time. Uh, and again. I really, really hate that more than anything. That's like saying, like, I saw this great thing on on, uh, Reddit today on the uh, Batman subreddit where um, it was Batman, you know, and somebody had obviously shopped in the the word bubble for that uh, particular panel saying, like, I shot my parents. Like, this is so quintessentially the opposite of the character of Steve Rogers in Captain America that it, it, it makes no sense to the point of being, like, farcical. So, like, if that's the route they're going, if they're really gonna say that, like, we've been hiding this shit for the last 70 years and during the multitudes of different storylines we've managed to you know somehow write around this even though it made no fucking sense for the last you know however many storylines again just terrible terrible goddamn yeah. writing there's got to be an end game here um even if it's like a stupid macguffin there's got to be a way out because if you say that captain america is hydra and has been hydra for all these years and everything else um it shits on everything that <laughs> People it's, for seventy five years have read Captain America for. 
it, it, it it's such a quintessential like it's just the worst uh, quintessential the word of the day uh anyway it's such the worst way to write this character like i don't know i mean the equivalent is i i guess making superman evil you know like how do you how do you even do that like uh it is so the opposite of what that character is that it doesn't make any sense like if you think about the different takes on superman certainly there have been ones where it's like you know superman's more like gray or whatever like the dark knight uh, returns is probably the one that I think most is like the furthest from what I would consider to be Clark Kent, but still kind of Clark Kent. It's, I mean, people complain about Zack Snyder's Superman being too dark, and it's not even close to as far away as um, as Captain America being Hydra. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, the reason I brought that up first is because what we're going to talk about um, this this week is going to be very, very heavily DC-centric yeah. uh, for a couple of different reasons. For one reason mainly, um, and we're probably going to talk about this piece of it last, uh, but... Uh, rebirth. DC Rebirth number one dropped this week. Um, and when I say this week, I mean, like, uh, the the week of May... What was it? May 27th? Yeah, is that Wednesday? that's right. Yeah, sure. 26, 27? I don't know. Whatever Wednesday was. Um and this is an 80-page opus uh, to allow DC to flourish uh, in 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 ways that it hasn't in the last I mean, five years. We, we've talked about Rebirth a little bit on the show before, but if this is your first episode, uh, just so you know what Rebirth is, essentially, um, they, they rebooted the uh, universe, the entire comic book universe with the New 52, and they threw out some continuity from the previous... Um, like 10 uh, years worth. Yeah, at, at least. I mean, they, <laughs> they basically pick and chose uh, what sort of uh, parts of the continuity they wanted to throw out. And there are large parts of the continuity that got left on the cutting room floor, and that is actually one of the things that Rebirth aims to fix. Um so the, still some of the stuff is going to be left on the cutting room floor, but not some of the big deals, which we're going to come back to because yeah. there's a couple of books I want to talk about before we get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. So uh, before we could read uh, DC Rebirth, uh, number one, uh, penned by Jeff Johns, who we've mentioned on the show before, but if you're not listening, he is DC's chief creative officer and has been writing comic books for some 20 years now. And I think all of those 20 years have been for DC comics. And as we talked about on the last uh, show, he's also going to be in charge or, uh, you know, a big influence on he's, the he's overseeing the DC cinematic cinematic universe. treatment of, of the characters now. Um, so again, a couple different things we had to finish. Number one, I had to finish Justice League. I've been reading Justice League since the new 52 started. Um, it's one of the few series that didn't actually get 52 issues, even though it started with the new 52 and the same time as the rest of them. Um, it actually ended with issue number 50 this week. Uh, it it was important for a couple different reasons. Um, there was a big, uh, it was the Dark Side War was its final story arc. Uh, and, and a few things happened. Uh, we got a new Green Lantern um, chosen by a ring, which was kind of cool. Uh, it, it's a girl who actually um, received the... Man, what earth are the crime syndicate from? No idea. Anyway, Power Ring. The Power Ring chose her um, because she was skittish. She was afraid. She was kind of a, a shut-in. She locked herself. I, I, I think at one point she was raped. Um, and she kind of locked herself in her apartment and, and was afraid to go out. And the power ring from the crime syndicate, uh, which is kind of like uh, an evil analog of a Green Lantern ring, 
chooses a host and then uh, takes over the host from the inside out. Um, essentially, the soul of the host is at some point trapped inside the ring. The The central power battery for the power ring is actually inside the ring, which you find out in issue 50 um, of Justice League, which was kind of an interesting concept. Um, but uh, this girl actually finds a way to overcome her fear and reclaim her hold over the ring. And she's killed uh, seemingly by the uh, Black Flash. Because the Black Flash actually had taken over uh, Barry Allen and was going to remain in Barry Allen until a life was was taken in his presence. Barry didn't want to kill anybody. Uh, Power Ring kind of took over the her own body, like retook her body and, and essentially willed Barry to, to do it. Um, only what you find out in the end is that... Uh, it's not the girl that was killed. It was Volthoom, who is the, the the true identity behind the power ring and stuff like that. So the power ring was destroyed. Um, and because of her willpower and her ability to overcome her own fear and 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 put herself in that position, she was chosen by a Green Lantern ring um, legitimately at, at, at the end of it. Uh, and they made a funny comment because there's there's a, there's like she's like the fifth now from Earth to be a Green Lantern. Uh, which is like way more overrepresented than any other planet in the Green Lantern Corps, <laughs> and they even made a comment, and they're like, they were like, we weren't questioning why she was chosen, uh, we were questioning why another, uh, or why Earthlings. why Sector Two Eight One Four needed another Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of comical in itself. Um, so I had to finish that uh, because that's kind of that's going to be an important part with uh, Green Lantern's Rebirth uh, Number One, which comes out I think next week. So uh, excited for that, by the way. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of rebirth issues coming out. Uh, Green Arrow, I believe, is next week as well, and and Superman, I think. So, lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, more importantly, though, the Superman story arc was was coming to an end, and so Eddie and I made a conscious decision that we were going to uh, pool our resources and and acquire all eight issues of uh, the uh, what the Super League series. Um. This took place over uh, Superman and Action Comics issues 51 and 52 each. Um, Superman, Batman, and Superman, Wonder Woman. Um, two issues each of those as well. And I'm not sure where they are in the continuity because they started later. Um, they did. It was around, like, I don't know. I want to say, I issues, say 28, like, 29. Something like that, yeah. Somewhere in there. But uh, what was interesting about this is normally when you get a multi-issue story arc, it's several writers collaborating together to tell one one story. This was actually an eight-issue story arc um, presented through two issues each of four different comics, but they were all written by uh, Peter J. Tomasi. Art was different, of course, depending on which book it was it was you were reading, but the story was the most incredibly cohesive story that I've read over a multi-issue story arc specific story arc because it was written by one dude. I, I'm glad you said that because that was the feeling that I had too. Like, even though like the art wasn't so phenomenally different from any of the books uh, with, you know, minor exception that I felt like I was just reading the same book. Like yeah. the, the story was so cohesive, so well done, I think across, you know, for a multi-story arc that it, it really, um, I don't know. It did a great job. It kept me in the story, um, especially because I read them back to back to back. So you'd think that that's probably the most jarring potential situation you have, especially from an art perspective. But I read them back to back to back to back, and uh, it was still really great. So, yeah. Um, 
some important things that that have happened um i'm gonna actually kick it back to justice league real quick um because a few important things happened in that that are that are relevant in the uh, superman story arc one is that superman was bathed in the fire pits of apocalypse uh not intentionally i think lex pushed him in um but it essentially transforms Superman into a god because he's his his powers are are solar based anyway, and these fire pits are essentially like big solar pits on on the the surface of a, of a planet. So it turned it turned Superman into um, somebody who was almost invulnerable. Um, the problem is is some other things happened over the course of some of the Superman books as well, um, like the Kryptonite bath that he took at one point and then i forget what the oh i think his fight with doomsday was the other one um so these three uh three things combined uh essentially mean um he wasn't fully recovered from any one of them when the next one happened and so he finds out that he's actually dying of of an acute kryptonite poisoning uh so his mission is basically he needs to find uh, a worthy successor to take over for him when he dies like he's 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 okay at this point um, resigned himself to the fact that he's dying, but he, he needs to kind of get his ducks in a row and, and go tell his story to Lois and uh, make sure that Lana delivers his eulogy and make sure he's buried at a specific place, uh, things like that. And, and of course, it's a comic book, so there there couldn't be a comic book without a villain happening. Um, and we get that in the form of a dude who essentially absorbed one of Superman's solar blasts. Um, I guess, I, I don't even know who he was fighting because it wasn't part of this particular story, but they told the story in retrospect of him basically depleting himself of all of his solar energy that he had stored up um, in the form of a fire blast. And that fire blast bonded with a, a dude who then thought he was Superman, like he had his memories and all that kind of shit. Um so he was kind of the foil through this eight issue story arc. Um, and along the way, we meet a couple different characters. Uh, one of them being uh, a different Clark Kent and a different Lois Lane. Yeah. So that whole thing was a lot of fun. Um, a, uh, you know, the, the Superman doppelganger, solar flare Superman was really interesting because, um, you know, he essentially thought, thought he was Clark Kent, like, uh, and, uh, you know Clark Kent, but with some animosity. So he goes and tries to live Clark Kent's life and uh, Superman's life, and of course that doesn't work out very well because he's not Clark Kent and he's not Superman, uh, and he certainly doesn't have Superman's natural inclination towards like nonviolence and stuff like that, or violence only when necessary. So um, that created an interesting foil. Um, we also got to see, and and gosh, th- this was actually kind of painful to read. Like I know Superman's died before, uh, you know, most notably in Death of Superman. <laughs> But this, uh, I thought, was a lot more painful. This was like watching, you know, and and again, having recently done this, uh, this is a lot like watching a cancer patient slowly, you know, you know, go. Yeah. And um, God, it hurt. It hurt. Like, um, there there were parts of this that I didn't like to read because, I mean, it was so well done. It's different because um, when he fought Doomsday in the 90s and died... uh, I mean, if Superman's ever going to die, that's kind of the way you expect him to go, like fighting a big yeah. bad and and sacrificing himself for the greater good and whatnot. Um, and if you've seen Batman versus Superman, like you've seen that happen on screen. Yep. This is a Superman who's dying, not because of a a, a big bad that he's fighting. Um, it's just a matter of fucking circumstances have led him to the point where his body's literally giving out on him, and he has to just sit there and 
deal with it. Yeah, this is another thing that I really liked about this particular instance of Superman writing, too, because um, a lot of the complaints that about Superman as a character is that, you know, like you said earlier, like he, he was bathed in the fires of Apocalypse and was essentially invulnerable, and that's kind of already Superman. Like Superman's kind of a god. Yeah, he kind of already is. Like, that's the whole premise of Batman versus Superman, or a lot of the, you know, premise of Batman versus Superman is that he is basically a god. Like, so I, I like this sort of story because it humanizes Superman in, in a lot of ways, uh, um, most notably dealing with the aspects of his death and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll take some time for me to reflect on this, but this is really one of the Superman stories that I really enjoyed reading. Yeah, I wasn't going to read it. Um Oddly enough, it was one of those things where it's like, I kind of knew it was happening, but the New 52 uh, Ashen Comics and Superman books didn't really uh, grab me as much as no. as, uh, as I, I was hoping they would. And so it was kind of one of those things where I was just like, eh, maybe I'll pick it up one of these times when I get the chance. Um, and then when I actually uh, picked up uh, DC Rebirth number one, it was like, hey, don't read this unless you've read uh, these books and I was like well shit yeah same um, and it was it was funny because uh, Eddie and I had been texting back and forth about Rebirth and uh, you know he was doing something stupid like performing the wedding for his sister-in-law or something uh, the hey, day that I was reading these <laughs> love you Kara uh, yeah <laughs> and uh, it was it was kind of one of those things where I was just like okay um I'm going to go ahead and do this. And Eddie was like, yeah, uh, go ahead and send me a list of what I need to get to read them and I'll, and I'll do it. Um, and then like a few hours later, I was seven issues into the eight issue series. And I was like, holy shit, these are good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it, I, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit and say that Peter J. Tomasi, like I'm, I'm familiar with his work because he actually wrote uh, green lantern core for a while. Um, so I'm, I'm familiar with his writing style and his, his ability to tell stories. Uh, and man, I was not disappointed. Yeah, I definitely wasn't, but, uh, I really enjoyed this series. Um, so anyway. other interesting thing, and this is a side note, but I think it's probably going to come into play with Batman rebirth and whatnot. <laughs> um, justice league, uh, the, the last few issues of that book, um, also dealt with Batman, um, sitting on the Mobius chair. Um, Sorry. <coughs> Gosh, I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, if you're not familiar with the Mobius chair, uh, we've talked about this story, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth, a few times. Uh, and uh, the Mobius chair, Metatron. All right. So we've talked about Crisis before, um, and and there's a character called Metatron, and he sits on the Mobius chair. The Mobius chair is essentially um, a chair that floats around and uh, knows everything, right? And when you sit on the Mobius chair, like you have access to all of that knowledge at any time. So what's scarier than Batman? Batman that knows everything. <laughs> um. And this is again, before I started this, this is this is an aside. This is not necessarily pertaining to the stories that we're talking about today, but it's going to come into play later. Uh, one of the questions that Batman asked the chair when he was sitting on it was for the true identity of the Joker. And the chair's basic response was, 
I can't tell you the true identity of the Joker because there's three Jokers. Um, and then and then Batman kind of had on his little computer monitor in Batman v or Batman Superman issue twenty what whatever issue it was in the in the uh, Super League storyline. Essentially, was uh, a screen that was pulled up that had three Jokers that we've all seen in the comic books before, and in, in at different different periods of time. Um, so that's going to be interesting to me, as I want to see how this story fleshes out, um, whether or not there really is three, or whether or not the Joker is just really so fucked that that even the Mobius chair doesn't think it's possible for there to be one Joker. You know, you know what I mean? Like, this is going to be fun. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I'm really excited to see how they do that whole thing in the books. And, uh, you know, the, as we get into Rebirth, this is something I want to come back to more. Like, I'm not really sure how they're going to handle current continuity as, as they get into Rebirth, but I, I can't see how they would set something like that up and then not touch it. No. Same thing with Super League. I can't see how, how they would set su- something like Super League up. And they actually do sort of already hint at it in Rebirth, so I, I can't wait to see what they do with that whole story. Yeah. Uh, and Eddie and I talked about this a little bit too uh, in the car, and that is that um, there's the second Clark Kent that we meet with the second Lois Lane. Um, I think is going to be um, the Superman that we've known and loved for the last fucking you know sixty years. Um, so I read Rebirth uh, before Eddie did. Yep, and he vehemently told me that I needed to read Rebirth, and this was sort of like the one of those. It's not like one of those, like, uh, you know, I'm recommending it, like, maybe you'll like it. He was like, no, stop. Stop what stop. the fuck you're doing right yeah, now. Go read Rebirth. Even if it's Mary and your little sister. Like, yeah, uh, go, maybe that came out wrong, but. <laughs> yeah, phrasing, uh, but go read Rebirth right now. Um, so I did as soon as I got home, and man, uh, damn. I was five pages in, and I was like, holy shit, dude. Holy shit. Um, yeah. So the big thing about Rebirth is that it's told... Uh, we have a very special narrator for this one, and that is Wally West. Yeah, we've um, we've tooted the horn on the on the Jeff Johns train a couple times. Um, probably not to the extent that we're going to tonight. Um, he's a brilliant writer. There's a reason DC put him in the position that he's in. There's a reason that he's been kind of tapped to uh, reinvigorate certain characters throughout yeah. the universe or, or just certain aspects of the the uh, dc universe as it is um so as we talked about already we rebooted the re- universe with flashpoint and uh one of the notable changes in flashpoint is that there suddenly were no more flashes there was only barry allen which means that wally west completely got the shaft um so wally west as in the you know wally west flash that you might have known throughout the 90s and from you know, 1995 until 2006 wally west was the flash right so you know we've, we've got to get 11 years of continuity 85 to 2006 i was just gonna say isn't it further back crisis crisis, he, crisis barry died in crisis and it was 1985 yeah so we've Sorry. got a long history of of having wally west as the flash and then with the new 52 no wally west um, until later yeah, we uh, we eventually get a Wally West much closer to the TV Flash uh, Wally West that we see. In that he's black. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't read enough of the continuity to see if he shares more traits than that. But um, it's pretty quickly um, explained. Kind of. Only here's the thing: like the comic books, uh, and and I've, I've I've read all 52 issues of the new 52 uh, Flash, and Wally West actually has powers. Like not until the last several issues, but like he's got them. Um, and whatnot, which is 
kind of why uh, the scene between him and, and the modern age Wally West from the 80s and 90s, uh, when the when the two of them cross paths in, in Rebirth number one, was so important. But uh, Wally Wally West is Iris's nephew. And, and and in fact, both Wally West are Iris's nephew, but from different sides of the family and stuff. And this is yeah. where, this is where Jeff Johns has a way of telling a story that is so brilliant. Um, and and his big thing is nothing in comics has been bad enough to get rid of. There's things that he would have done differently, and there's things that he would like to focus on more than more than others sometimes. But like he doesn't feel like any character that's been created in, in DC's continuity um, is so bad to the point where they just basically have to be deleted from history as though they never existed. Um, case in point, in 2004, when he brought back Hal Jordan as um, as the the predominant Green Lantern of the of the Green Lantern series, um, he didn't do that because he didn't like Kyle Rayner and he thought Kyle Rayner needed to go away. He found a way to do it and not only keep Kyle Rayner as an important character within the Green Lantern continuity, but bring Hal Jordan back into it as an important character as well. Like he does things like this very well. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, this is another aspect that he did really well with this particular book is that um, we start, sort of started this whole journey with the New 52 with the Flashpoint Paradox or the Flashpoint event. And that was um, with, you know, Barry Allen, the Flash. Uh, and now we've got this nice little bow on it. You know, Barry Allen, you know, the Flashpoint thing got rid of Wally West in the continuity. And now we've got this nice little bow or, or nice little, um, I don't know, uh, trip back around where we've got Wally West in sort of a similar position as uh, Barry was with the Flashpoint. And even going back so far as to Crisis, like I got a lot of vibes from Crisis and, and this incarnation of Wally West. Uh, and I just fucking loved it. Like... Um, Man, we should probably be saving this for a couple more, you know, 15 minutes later. But one of my favorite scenes probably in comic books ever is uh, Barry and Wally together with Barry saying, well, let's, I let's, can't believe I forgot about you. Yeah, yeah, let's set that up. I mean, kind of the whole point of this book is Wally West telling the reader, um, I was forgotten. And it's not just me that was forgotten, but I'm still here and I'm, I'm able to tell you this because as a speedster, I'm tied to the speed force to the point where... Um, I exist no matter what. Basically, yeah. Um, and I'm trying desperately uh, to get reintegrated with the world. The only re- the only way he can do that, though, is for somebody um, to recognize him and, and remember him and essentially pull him out. Otherwise, the more forgotten he gets, the more torn apart he gets, and eventually he's just going to become part, part of, of the, the Speed, Speed Force, Force entirely. Um, and it it's done really well because he goes through and he, he, um, who's the first person that he encounters? I don't even remember. It's, um, it's Batman. Oh, it's yeah. It's Batman. Okay. Fucking Batman. So the, the first person Wally tries to contact, of course, is the world's greatest detective, uh, Batman, which again, similar to the flashpoint. That's the first person he goes to. Yeah. Again, uh, there's so many go to guys, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, or in this case, the flashes, you know, so Wally West uh, immediately went after, um, Bruce Wayne, which, you know, know, it's great for so many reasons. Like I I love that they, they make Bruce Wayne that character. And I love that, um, they have, they drew this parallel and and Wally's reasoning obviously is Bruce being the greatest detective on the planet, like ought to be able to figure out who he is. 
And with the way that the 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 book ends, I, he's not wrong. Yeah. Um. And then the next, I, I think the next one he goes to is the old man in the retirement home who was uh, part of the Justice Society. I think you're right. Um. I can't remember his his costume name, but uh, it and it's 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 so funny because Wally goes to him. The guy obviously he doesn't recognize him either, but he's like, find the rest of the Justice Society. Like, yeah, tell them. And the old man, and he's in this—he's in this retirement home, and he's not there voluntarily. Like the 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 orderlies there are just basically like, nope, we're not letting you go. And like the old guy, like, and this is such a crushing scene for me too, especially because I work in a nursing home and whatnot. But like the old guy is just like, that's all I've been trying to do. Yeah, like that's so, all I've been trying to do is find I, the rest of these I, guys. I think the Justice Society is another thing that got knocked out with the uh, New Fifty Two. Um. They're kind of around with the title. Uh, I think it's World's Finest. Okay, uh, but it's it, it it takes place on a different Earth. And I think it's Earth Two. Okay. Um. Anyway, so we 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 go into that, um, and then I forget where he goes next. He oh his girlfriend Linda. He, the love. I think he goes after that's the love storyline. Yeah. So the 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 whole comic is uh, broken into different parts, and yeah. one of them is uh, notably talking about love in general. And so one of the things that he says, you know, up through the book at this point, uh, and you know, sort of highlighted in this particular uh, chapter, if you will, is that um, one of the things notably absent from this universe is love. And this has actually some of my favorite parts of the book. Like it highlights that Oliver and uh, Diana Laura Lance. Um, yeah. the Black Canary don't barely or barely even know each other in spite of the fact that they're you know sort of like one of the um, classic superhero couples this is classic Jeff Johns and, and this is Jeff Johns saying you know what we took a chance to do something with the DC Universe and we fucked up and we're sorry because it, it basically talks about how Oliver and Dinah Lance had this relationship and they were I mean they knew each other to the point like as well as two costume superheroes could know each other like better than anybody else and then after the new 52 like they were mere acquaintances and yeah. that was it and then they it, lost it, a lot it's almost like um it's not quite a fourth wall break but it almost is directly that like yeah oops we we, we dropped the ball here like the, it, this is almost dc directly saying like yeah we shouldn't have done that um you know of course it highlights the whole um no superman no no clark kent no lois lane relationship yeah, uh, I mean they're friends, but th- th- that's the most you could call them uh, um, it, as of the New Fifty Two. So it highlights that whole thing. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, and then of course it talks about specifically to Wally. Um, it talks about how uh, for Wally, Linda Park uh, was always his lightning rod, always who, his. Who like, we've met in the Flash TV series. Uh, we have actually, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, I would really love to see that come back and play a part in the Flash TV series. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they did, because the Flash TV series is really good at getting comic book shit right. So yeah, um, this is the 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 coolest dynamic about the Linda Park story um, in this book was how he explains even as he's describing Linda that this has happened to him before. So like in in a manner of speaking. And that it didn't matter whether it was Earth One Linda Park or Earth Two Linda Park or anything else. Like she always recognizes him, always yeah. knows who he is, and is able to pull him back through and and kind of ground him. Um, and then she doesn't. Yeah, like that. that again, that heartbreaking. Was heartbreaking. Like, that was hard to read. Um, and and I think that's kind of when he resigns himself to the fact that if she doesn't recognize him, like he has no hope at this point. Like he is 
going to be absorbed by the speed force and his legacy is going to be lost. Um, and so he kind of starts to make his rounds and he, he goes to, I think, does he go to Wally next? I think so. And, and sees him kind of starting to develop his powers. Wally obviously doesn't know who he is, but it's at this point in the story where we learn that both Wally's are legitimately, I mean, real, um, Wally's dad had a brother that was estranged from the family and both his dad and his brother or his uncle when their sons were born named them after their grandfather yeah, whose see, name was Wally. I super I super like this part because it gives a plausible reason that both Wally's can exist in this universe. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they write this going forward. But I like this because it, it you know, much to what you were saying about Jeff Johns before, manages to take uh, the good from both stories. Like, yeah. n- neither needs to not exist in order for one to flourish. Uh, they, they, it, he des- decides to take the bo- best of both, essentially. Yeah, and, and I really dig that about about that. Um, and so, ultimately, what we end up having happen in the end is is Wally goes to Barry, and he is at this point so convinced that he's dying and that he's he's beyond redemption. Uh, not even redemption. I mean, he's not like he's morally corrupt or anything like that. But Just, he's he can't be saved, right? And so he goes, and and it's so beautiful because his whole thing is he looks at Barry as Barry is running around being the flash and doing his thing and saving people and whatnot. And so he is at the point where he's just like, you know what? Watching you be the flash and watching you love what you're doing makes me okay with this. Yeah. And he's actually talking to Barry. Barry's like staring at him kind of dumbfounded for a while. Like who the fuck are you? Yeah. Um, and he, he's like, you don't know who I am, but this is, this to me makes everything worth it in the end and everything else. And in like one of the most heart wrenching moments in comic books that I remember in, in the recent past or even the not so recent past is Barry all of a sudden reaches out and grabs Wally and says, how could I ever forget you? Yeah. Like as he's being sucked back into the speed force and, you know, presumably going to his, you know, quasi death, uh, there's that word again, uh, as he's going back to his death, um, Barry reaches out and grabs him and and yeah it's one of the best moments I can recall reading like I, I definitely I teared up reading this like I, no. I can't tell this like I'm doing <clears throat> this podcast right now and like my eyes get glassy when I'm when I'm thinking yeah. about just the emotional impact of of this particular book and how well it's written to the point where like even if you don't know who Wally is um and and I can speak to this because Eddie didn't have a lot of experience with the Wally right. West flash and uh, what you all. could fill, you know, like what you can get from a Wikipedia page, essentially. Like I definitely did not grow up reading uh, Wally West as the flash. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, th- just damn. I mean, like this is another brilliant book ending um, between flashpoint and rebirth um, that I think is just going to be, you know, go down as basically masterful. Like, I love the way that they did this story, and I love the way that it's sort of the Flash that gets us into it, and the Flash that gets us out of it, even if it's not the same Flash. Um, Yeah, so, uh, gosh, that moment between Barry and Wally is just, uh, it's going to go down, I think, for sure, is one of my favorite moments in comic books. And, yeah, reading that scene was, like, one of the more emotional scenes that I've ever read read in comics in general. Or just in, it just read in general. Like, there's, you know, a few moments I can think of where I was like, oh, man, I can't, you know, like, I have to stop for a second, and then I'll move on, so. 
Love that scene. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, and and I think uh, I I didn't even know this book was coming out because when DC announced their rebirth titles, I don't even think I paid attention to it, or maybe when I saw it, I didn't know what it was so much. But I, now having seen the cover of issue number one, like I can't wait for Titans number one. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's I think it addressed a little bit in Rebirth too. Like Titans essentially does not exist in the New Fifty Two, and that's one of the things sort of lost by the. Cover. There are Titans. There, there's a there's a Teen Titans I think. Yeah. Um. But the Titans book is actually going to be a Wally West centric book now that he's back, um, which is important to me. Um, and, and Eddie alluded to earlier, like if you didn't grow up reading Wally West, maybe you didn't know who he is. But if you think about it. Wally West had a 21-year run as the Flash. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to say 16 because for the last five years he hasn't really been around. But it's pretty comparable with any of the other Flashes we've known. You know, Barry Allen, Jake Eric. Yeah. Um. And, and there's there's an article that we're posting on the on the website too. Um, it's from the Nerdist website, and it's uh it's an article um talking to Jeff Johns about Rebirth and how he chose the approach that he took with it, um, how personal the name Rebirth is to him, because when they pitched it, uh, he wasn't exactly enthusiastic about the idea of them using his term because uh, Green Lantern Rebirth was his idea and the Flash Rebirth was his idea. So Rebirth is kind of his term, and if you're going to use that term, you damn well better do it in a way that he's in agreement with Yeah, <laughs> kind of a thing. Um, and... Uh, I didn't realize it. he and I must be kind of the same age or at least sort of close because um, Wally West was his flash that he grew up reading. Uh, similar to me. Um, Wally West was a flash that I was familiar with before I, I was familiar with Barry Allen um, because again, crisis took place in 1985. That's when Barry Allen died in 1985. I was seven. I wasn't yeah. reading comic books necessarily at that point in time for, uh, continuity's sake they were just you know cool pictures on a on a page <laughs> yeah um, I was too so I wasn't really reading much yeah, of anything. yeah yeah <laughs> so um, Wally West is my flash uh, sorry I was five, four four yeah you're not that much younger than me Fuck yeah me. I don't know I can't read stuff or I can't do math I guess um, Wally West is my flash uh, not because I think he's better than Barry Allen. He's just the flash that I had as a teenager when I actually started caring about comic books. Um, similar to the fact that uh, I, I came into it right at the tail end of Hal Jordan, like right when he went insane and killed the rest of the core and Kyle Rayner took over. That was when I first started reading Green Lantern books. So um, I'm, I, I feel what Jeff Johns was feeling because I'm kind of used to these fill-ins as they were meant to be, I think, originally. Um just a way to shake up the the characters or the uh, the titles and and gain new readers and whatnot. Um, that's not what drew me to Green Lantern was the fact that there was a new character or anything like that. This just happens to be the time that I started reading comic books. Um, but at the same time, even though knowing now that there's richer history to these titles than I was aware of at the time, like I don't want the new characters to go away like i'm very similar to, to john's in that particular aspect like there's there's a place for these characters because they're the characters that i had and and maybe it's selfish of me but i don't want to see them go away just because they're not the originals yeah i feel the same way and i i you know i don't know i'm, I'm so on board for rebirth i really enjoyed the book so much because it did such a good job of establishing all of these different mythos as being you know 
legitimate and not forgotten. And even, you know, I think New 52 Superman, I, I really do think he's probably dead, or at least dead until somebody decides to bring him back for some particular reason. Um, but I think the way that they're doing it, you know, validates the character. Like, yeah. it doesn't invalidate anything he's done, and, and it doesn't retcon so much anything he's done. It, it so far, has been a good way to introduce us to a new, you know, future where we get some of the things back that we lost, which is, you know, really what Rebirth is going for. So I'm really excited for um, the rest of the Rebirth titles and where DC's going with this. Um, th- this has definitely been one of my favorite books that I've read in a good long time. So uh, if you're on the fence or if you haven't read DC in a lot while or you don't read comics... This might be the book to jump in with. Like, there's a lot of good books that you could that you could start with coming up in the next week or two weeks or whatnot. Um, come on, I mean, it, here's the thing: we live in a day and age now where nobody's gonna actually make fun of you for buying a comic book and reading it. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> before we um, leave Rebirth, we have to talk about the ending. I'm going to let you cover this. Okay. So the ending, uh, again, one of the reasons I really enjoyed Rebirth, because as much as all of the things that happened up to this point were so amazing, uh, the ending is like mind fuckery on the level of like, say, watching the usual suspects for the first time, at least in my opinion. (laughs) We get to the ending and um, gosh, I'm sorry, but I don't remember exactly why. The happy face. Yeah. We get to the happy face. So Batman remembers that as Wally was being sucked back into the speed force, there was a, a sound, a tink, uh, um, as, you know, something was happening. And he goes back and investigates sort of the, the part of the cave where that happened. And uh, d- digging out a little bit, he finds the happy face button uh, you would you know from the comic book Watchmen. And if you don't know that book, then you need to go read it right now because, again, that's another one of the, gosh, you have to read it sort of if you're even con- sort of mildly interested in comic books Watchmen you need to read Alan Moore yeah so he finds the happy face button from Watchmen and then uh, and it starts the book out this way actually um, which we glossed over because when you're reading yeah when we when we when you're reading the book for the first time you don't know what the fuck this is talking about at all unless you're some sort of you know genius that we're definitely not but it says something like it alludes to Watchmen in a way uh, talking about watch the watch and, uh, you know, essentially what they're talking about is Dr. Manhattan's actual, you know, father, the watchmaker, um, and, and some of the lessons he learns there. And it ends on that same note, you know, uh, Dr. Manhattan, presumably talking to Adrian, uh, about the watch and, and, uh, you know, basically combining these universes. So again, mindfuckery on a level you haven't, be- you wouldn't believe because, it never, ever, ever occurred to me like that the Watchmen was part of the multiverse. Like that just seemed like an Elseworlds story. Like uh, you're never gonna have these things collide in any way. Uh, well, it wasn't published under DC originally. I mean, it it was published under uh, their. It was it was they're owned by DC, but it's a, a Dark Horse. A, no, mm. it Valiant. No, Valiant. Uh, what's the fucking name? Vertigo. It was a Vertigo title oh, there you go. originally. And Vertigo is a, a, a an entity that's owned by DC and always has been, um, but it, the Watchmen wasn't. I I believe I don't think it was a, a DC book. It was a Vertigo book. Yeah. So the Vertigo titles, we it's very easy to overlook them and just assume they're not part of continuity or anything else. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's still DC. So yeah. 
So throughout the end of the rebirth story, we learned that um, the, the the whole machinations behind the new 52 were sort of steered. Um, and it's strongly hinted at the end of rebirth uh, one that they were steered by Dr. Manhattan, which from what we've seen in Watchmen, that's totally plausible. Um, Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen is essentially a god. He's outside of time and space and he, you know, can you manipulate matter directly and all kinds of crazy shit? So that's not an unbelievable. And then for those of you that might have seen the Watchmen movie once, um, but didn't really pay attention to it or whatever, uh, he's the giant naked blue guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to miss the giant naked blue dong, but it's there. You just you know watch a little bit more closely. Um. So anyway, uh, what what else makes this a little bit brilliant is when you go back and if if a re- you reread Rebirth or think back on the book a little bit there's so many nods to this yeah and, and it's so good so um, Watchmen one of my favorite stories ever one of my favorite comic books ever I would be if somebody had told me about this ahead of time I would have been so fucking against this like I would have backpedaled right through a wall um, but man did I not love uh, it in Rebirth I, I have some of the original issues of, of Watchmen um, that I've read numerous times um i've read the graphic novel i've seen the movie honestly the movie um aside from the end the movie was was extremely faithful to the comic books to the point where a lot of people didn't like it because it was so faithful um yeah but i'll even say like the end a lot of the end was somewhat controversial but i like the end just fine to to me this movie actually put jeffrey dean morgan uh as an actor on the map for me because i wasn't really familiar with who he was at the time yep um but I, I I dug it and he he played that character super well. Of course, he's talking about the comedian, and you might also know Jeffrey Dean Morgan as either Thomas Wayne in the Batman versus Superman movie, or more recently as Negan in the Walking Dead universe. Uh, or for me and Eddie's wife, uh, also he plays John Winchester, the father of Sam and Dean from oh, for Supernatural. Sure. Yeah. Or played. He's not been in the show for some time now, but anyway, yeah. uh, he was also in the movie The Losers. Another mm. DC property. So, uh, but yeah, um, that was interesting to me. Uh, I I didn't pick up on it at first either until I got to the end and I saw the happy face and stuff like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> when I got to the end, I was like, holy shit, man! That are they do not do they not realize they're aping Watchmen really hard? Because I thought it had to be something else. And then I read the next two pages and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like that's what they're doing, and then I and then I went back and and I was the thinking, giant hand at yeah. the beginning of the story when they're talking about somebody manipulating the the events following the uh, correction of Flashpoint. Yeah, yeah. It, like, and then I was thinking like how the book opened, and I'm like, oh my god, like they wow, just wow. Like again, an idea that I would have absolutely been totally against. Like no no lying, no you know hedging. If I were, if I were told about this in advance, I would have been so far against it. Like it would have been ridiculous, I, but I loved it. It was so good. I, I, I will go so far as to say that if we can ever get Jeff Johns for even like twenty minutes yeah. on the show, like we'll do it in a heartbeat. Just because I would love to pick his brain about that one aspect of this particular book. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's lots of things I would want. I would love to talk to him about and whatnot. But like, I, I just would like to see where where he intends on the story going. Here's the sad part of the story. Jeff Johns is stepping away as a writer um, for the foreseeable future. Um, Eddie mentioned earlier that we talked, and we talked about it last week, about him taking on a um, a very important role at uh, the DC slash Warner Brothers 
studios to oversee the 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 treatment of the characters on screen and whatnot um and that's going to take up a lot of his time uh not to mention he's still working on the batman script with ben affleck and all that kind of stuff so uh we probably won't see a jeff johns penned story for a little while he said he's he said when there's a story that needs to be told he'll come back and tell it um so all i can say is i'm eagerly awaiting that moment (laughs) yeah um, I just I hope they keep him on as like a creative director, essentially like overseeing he's, the. He's the still the lines. creative, op- the chief creative officer <laughs> at DC. Like he's not abandoning that role. He's just not writing for a while. So yeah, um, it it'll be interesting because he is he has laid down the framework for the writers uh, that work for DC um, and the artists to do some fucking incredible things with this universe now. So uh, yep. again. We'll talk more about it uh, next week because by the time we sit down next week, there'll be more books. Yeah. Uh, Rebirth-centric titles that have been published and stuff. Um, and Eddie and I plan on reading, I think, all of the Rebirth number ones. I don't think there's a reason not to read all of them. Uh, I think week. you're right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, we're going to save, I think, Saga and uh, Spider-Man for the next week because I, I know we both read Saga, but gosh, we, we've talked a lot about comic books this week and it's got to be about two, uh, one in the morning now. So next next week, we'll talk Saga 36. We'll talk um, Spider-Man 4 and we'll talk The Walking Dead 154. Yeah. Saga, actually, because we had that on the show notes last week. Saga is almost becoming like, uh, and we're sorry to Matt Damon. Uh, we ran out of time. <laughs> like, <laughs> We apologize, Saga. We ran out of time. So um, anyway, we will see you next week. As always, if you like the show, want to find out more about us, you can follow us on Twitter at Whatever Show. Um, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Whatever Show. You can find me on Twitter at Charles E. Smith. I'm at the brutal one, B-R-E-W. And if you have any questions, comments, hate mail, etc., you can go on your emails and send us questions at whatever.co. Uh, finally, please, if you like the show uh, or don't like the show or just want to, you know, anything, go on iTunes and give us a rating, and we'd really appreciate that. Of course, tell your friends, tell your folks, tell, you know, whoever you think might enjoy comic book nerdery with some slightly bad language and beer talk. Follow us on Facebook. Tell us how shitty we are. And, you well, know... I mean, maybe save that part. It's Don't, a good t- way to get your name in lights, because we'll talk about you. Yeah, it's I fine. Mean, there you go. <laughs> Solid. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>